And good morning, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. McCartan, after midnight, I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until about 6 a.m. No, exactly 6 a.m. On this early day after Christmas, Thursday morning, or maybe you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps, or maybe you're traveling home from a holiday celebration with your family. In any event, I'm very happy you're tuned in right now. I hope you've got everything you wanted this holiday season underneath your tree or, you know, for Hanukkah. Coming your way at 6 o'clock is going to be Jerry Recco and the Kim Jones. And But right now, I am coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. We're going to be together a lot tonight, you and me, till 6 a.m. I've got Sus behind the glass tonight, ready, willing, able to take your phone calls. You guys know the number, 877-336-6666. Let's load them up with your best. Let's say, I don't know, Yankees-Mets. I'm sure they have a, a lot going on tonight. Yet Yankees-Mets calls. Giants-Jets. It's almost football weekend, week 17, the end of an era in in New York NFL football. And, of course, some Knicks and Nets if you want to talk that too. In a special holiday edition monologue, I, uh, I sat down before and I thought about what what was the best gift for each of our New York Metro baseball and football teams? What if, What is the best gift they've received this holiday season? And let's be honest, some of the teams, the answer was more obvious than others. You talked about this on Sunday. This is for the Mets. I said, this is direct quote from Sunday. I said, for me, it's Betances or bust for the Mets. Maybe for a one-year deal, maybe for two. I said this on Sunday. I said, Brody has, Brody Van Wagenen, obviously the GM, has had a totally underwhelming offseason. He could get creative, I said, in back-ending a contract money until Savior Cohen gets here. He was a former agent, for crying out loud. He, is, he hasn't done it yet, and that's totally concerning to me. That was Sunday. And then, on Christmas Eve, Santa Van Wagenen delivered Mets fans a Merry Chris Mets present. Dellen Batances, one of the top-tier relievers on the market this offseason, is trading his navy and white of the Bronx for the orange and blue of Queens. Yes, that's right, everybody. Dylan Batances is a New York Met. Now, I had a question for you guys on my on my Twitter page here, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. The question was, I forget exactly how I worded it, but Met, uh, fans are still not convinced about Brody Van Wagenen and his body of work. But we talked about it for months on here, you and I. The Mets needed bullpen help. And Brody Van Wagenen got him on a creative contract I suggested for him. It's a, it's a one-year prove-it deal. You guys, you guys know I love those. I really do. It's a one-year prove-it contract. Includes a $2.2 million base salary in 2020, plus a $5.3 million signing bonus, and then another $1 million bonus for appearing in at least 50 games. How's that for an incentive? The Mets, they've got it in Bantances. You know me. I think by now, 
We know each other pretty well by now. You know how I carefully weigh each and every one of our moves any of our teams makes. And we can get into the pros and cons of Dell and Patances, and I hope that we do, because there are many of both. The number one pro, I'll tell you right now, I have for Dell and Patances is the guy's resume. Most outstanding to me on that resume is the fact that he has thrown 100 strikeouts in five consecutive seasons. That's unheard of. And the number one con or against I have of Dallin Batances is obviously the injury, which is actually a shoulder and a partial Achilles tendon tear. I could see if it was one or the other. We're working with two double whammies here, though. And there is one big piece of his game that I've talked to him about improving, and I've actually spoken to him about it. And it was a huge problem. And actually, in my opinion, still kind of is. I'm going to tease that out a little bit. I'm going to string you along. Probably to the next break, I'll reveal what that was and, and how our conversation went about that. And um, maybe we get some Mets falls, uh, phone calls on deck, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you guys. But in any event, the Mets needed bullpen help. We've talked about it at nauseum. And then there comes Brody Van Wagen, and he delivered on the creative Madison Bumgarner contract that I implored him on air Sunday morning to, to do something like. Betances and the entire back end of the Mets 2020 bullpen, which includes Diaz, Edwin Diaz, and Yuri's Familia, it's certainly a gamble. Because who knows which one of those three you're going to get. But can you imagine if, if just even just two of them pay off? You ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Oh. Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Now, you might realize that this Migos song is from the MLB postseason ads and commercials. I forget which year. Last year, maybe even. The Yankees apparently weren't ready then. But, man, is the whole squad ready to take it all now. This is Migos, is you ready, by the way. Even with all of the moves coming out of the NL East, the Chicago White Sox, you heard on Harris Allen's update just now, they have been making moves, Chicago. The White Sox. You know what? Whoever else is making moves, the fact of the matter is this. The Yankees still are the odds-on favorites to win the 2020 World Series. That is due directly to their acquisition of the biggest fish on the free agent market, regardless of position. California dude, Garrett Cole. We all know, we've talked about it, how the Yankees pulled out all the stops to woo him. The wine... The stadium contraption 30-pound thing, the promises, the tradition, the special guests in on his visit, etc. And how long ago does it feel that? Just 15 short days ago, the Yankees got their man this holiday season. Imagine the joyous jingle bells ringing, Yankees fans. Immediately behind Garrett Cole, the Yankees put themselves into contention for having the best starting rotation in all of baseball. As it sits right now on the Yankees' website, the rotation will be Garrett Cole, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, Luis Severino, Jay Happ, which could be a question mark, probably on his way out, and Montgomery. Yankees fans have never been happier 
to get coal for Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And with that prize acquisition, the Yankees are in a position now either to stand pat or make a few more tinkers to their lineup and their roster. A name that's been floated around with rumors to the New York Yankees is Josh Hader. Well, that deal would have to get done via trade. And I've got a few thoughts on that. Do you really think it's going to be a good idea to go all in on Hader having just lost Didi Gregorius to free agency as a casualty? The moves actually would run perpendicular to each other. And I'll have an answer for that. In short, the answer is N-O, no on Hader. Not yet, anyway. GM McCartan's got a plan for you a little later in tonight's show. Because I always have a plan. There are 48 days until pitchers and catchers. I am sure that everyone in our area is excited for baseball season. And while our holiday season has been absolutely merry and bright for the New York baseball teams, well, for our New York metro area football teams, not including the Buffalo Bills, obviously they're not in the metro area, let's say I had to dig a little bit deeper to find their best Christmas presents. So has this song gotten caught in your head at all this week? Well, this is Sebastian Ingrosso and Alesso, formerly of Swedish House Mafia. This song is a pump-up song featuring Ryan Tedder of One Republic. It's called Calling. It is an awesome song. Wish we could play more of that. But you know what? This song might have been caught in your head this week because if you were one of the 2.5 million people to watch the viral Wholesome video of Eli Manning and his protege celebrating the Giants' second two-game win streak of the season in true Jersey fashion. Manning and Jones were spotted at Green Rock in Hoboken. Shout out to Green Rock. I hope you're listening right now. It was on Sunday night. They must have got off that Amtrak train and went right to the bar. And, and it was a video posted by a friend of this show, Jeff Eisenband, made its rounds around the country. Manning and Jones, like father and son, certainly drew a crowd while playing flip cup. By the way, Jones fumbled one of the cups. (laughs) You know, had to poke a little fun in there because Daniel Jones is the league leader in fumbles. Still, I think. So he fumbled one of the cups. Manning and Jones were fist pumping like Paulie D. And my personal favorite, to that song, and my personal favorite from Easy e was the DJ's Belmar napkin toss when the beat dropped. If you've been to DJ's, you know exactly what I'm talking about, about the raining napkins. You know what? This might have been the best gift that the Giants could have gotten this season and this holiday season. Two quarterbacks with absolutely zero ego working together towards a common goal on the field and genuinely enjoying their company together off of it. Manning and Jones are not just work friends, it seems, and that in this situation, is awesome to see. Manning, the longest-tenured Giants quarterback, is welcoming his replacement with that day, who became the only rookie NFL in NFL history to throw for 350 yards and five touchdowns with zero turnovers in a game. Did you know Daniel Jones is just four touchdown passes away from tying the NFL's all-time mark for a rookie quarterback? Baker Mayfield has that record right now. Jones has the most touchdowns for a rookie quarterback this season, entering play with five more than Gardner Minshew, Kyler Murray. 
Jones has 23. They both are tied at 18. This is the first round move-up gift that keeps on giving. Wrong about a million times, but I got one thing right. You. So the Jets have gotten a million things wrong, but they've got one thing right. Let me tease this out a little bit. Marshmallow and Kane Brown, one thing right, by the way. That's a sticking with the, the, the same genre, and let's add in a country, Kane Brown. But to be honest, the Jets were the most difficult team of the four to come up with in terms of their best gifts this season. It can't be the terrible, no good, very bad coach in Adam Gase. I hope we don't get a call, Sus, tonight from his friends or family or, or a tweet from any of his burner accounts tonight because that's been reported. And actually, maybe that would make for great radio. Anyway, maybe the best gift for the Jets is Jamal Adams, the only Pro Bowl representative from both of our wonderful teams to play in the Meadowlands. Well, maybe not. <clears throat> maybe the best gift for the team this season is Sam Darnold, the 22-year-old who, in spite of Adam Gase's subpar vanilla in-game calls and non-existent in-game adjustments, and in spite of mononucleosis, has been putting up solid numbers and looks to be the part of franchise quarterback. So it's not any of the three of them, actually. I'd have to say that the one thing that the Jets have gotten right the best gift for the Jets and their fans is their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams. His unit has been absolutely decimated with injuries this season, starting with C.J. Mosley being the most visible, the most important. The quarterback of the defense, as you will. And a hefty free agent, by the way. So he's been decimated by injuries, and it's been ever-evolving. Think the Leonard Williams trade. Have you heard one single excuse from Greg Williams? The answer is no. Not like that head coach. The answer is no. Regardless, Williams' defensive unit is ranked second against the run and, well, 15th against the pass, which isn't terrible. He's got undrafted Arthur Mollette playing in 35% of the snap share this season at cornerback. It's a premier position. So guess what? While Greg Williams is a great gift for Jets fans, he might be ripe for regifting. Jets fans should be worried. Greg Williams is in a great position to win NFL's Coordinator of the Year. The award has only existed since 2014, but four of the five winners went on to get head coach jobs the very next season. Jets fans can only hope that comes true. Williams at the helm of the Jets in 2020. Let's hit the calls. All's on the table. Can't wait to talk to you guys. I'm Danielle McCartan. He's Harris Allen. Back with you guys. I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFM Radio in the wonderful New York City. It's Christmas time in the city. I hope you guys had a great Christmas with your families. Friends, um, whatever it is, hope that Santa brought you everything last night or yesterday morning as well. Um, I know I, for one, had a very good Christmas as well. Um, and you know you know who else had a really good Christmas? The New York Mets. And I, we talked about it here. We said on this show, on Sunday, as early as, as, as recently as Sunday, that I, I told you guys that what's concerning to me mostly about the Mets is that while they haven't gotten much better, Many can argue worse with the departure of Zach Wheeler. In their division, with the reigning World Series champions, it, it, it probably is going to be the toughest of all in baseball this entire season. I don't think that the Mets can keep up with the Joneses. I said that on Sunday. Well, this holiday season, Brody Van Wagenen did just that. Gift wrap, 
Dylan Betances on Christmas Eve from the New York Mets, the New York Mets faithful. It's a one-year contract, uh, includes a player vesting options for 2021, 2022. The deal is for $10.5 million. Uh, it was reported that Betances actually was looking for like, like a $10 million deal. Um, and actually, I read somewhere, I forget exactly where, but I think I read that he turned down higher contracts to play for the Mets. Is that true? So if you consider that the Yankees and Brian Cashman were going big game hunting this offseason, the Mets and Brody Van Wagenen have doubled down in order to hit 21 because they've got plenty of ifs in the back end of their bullpen. Will 2019 be a Mets bust, thus sealing Brody Van Wagenen's fate out of here as soon as Cohen gets here? Or will the 2019 Mets, or 2020 I should say, 2020 be a bust, or 2020 Mets hit blackjack? And what exactly is the realistic goal for the team this season? Because for me, they aren't going to win the NL East. So, for me, it's going to be a wild-card berth for this team. And can they do it? Mets general manager Brody Van Wagenen said in a statement, this is a tremendously exciting gift for the Mets fans this holiday season in our championship pursuit. Well, I guess you got to be in it to win it, right? CJ, always first. Mountain Holly, good to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, I love being first. I like to be the trendsetter. That's just my personality. Got it, CJ. All right, getting to the Mets. You know, it's very encouraging that they got the chances. He's going to be highly motivated. He knows how to pitch in New York, and we know he can handle the pressure. The only criticism I really have about the Mets, though, this is very typical for the off season. The chances is nice, but in the big scheme of things, it's only a middle level move. When the Mets are going to be, when are they going to go big game hunting? When are they get, when are they going to go after the grizzly bear? Well, they need the money first, so as soon as Cohen gets here. <laughs> I mean, it's just pathetic, though. You know, you're just looking for a wild card. You know what? This is in New York. If you ever follow international soccer, all the big teams like Barcelona, Madrid, the Rome teams, no one in the big market would tolerate this type of mindset. And the only thing that's really going to change is this, the only thing that's really going to change the culture is this the change of ownership actually goes through. Yeah, um, I think it will. I mean, he's approved as a minority owner, but um, I know I've seen an article where there are some majority owners. There were some guys that were in that same position that were not approved to be majority owners. So that's a little bit worrisome for the Mets. Yeah, um, yeah especially with all their debt. I mean, they have a ton of debt. Yeah, you don't know what the real financial situation you know, actually is. Right. Uh, getting to the Knicks, I know it's hard to talk about the gifts that the Knicks gave. Uh, I could come thing, up with one. <laughs> I mean, the least thing I need to come up with one, R.J. Barrett, once he moves, once he learns how to shoot properly, will be a tremendous player. Okay. You can see he's got the athleticism, and you can see he wants it badly. Just look at his facial expression. Yeah. I really think he's going to be a player. But where do you think the Knicks, the chances are the Knicks are actually playing on Christmas? Day next year. I know. Give them I know. We were watching the basketball games today. I was like, "Wait, where, when are the Knicks on?" Oh wait, oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking this sus before. I would tell, I told them I would give them only about a one in four chance they're actually going to be on TV next year. And the only reason I'm going to give them that high a chance, I'm hoping that one of the draft picks in the lottery this year is going to be a stud. Yeah. Maybe they'll finally get something going 
especially with the point guard position. Yep. You know what? Think of going back 20, 25 years, the only consistent one they had was Charlie Ward. Mm. Yeah, and we knew coming into this, CJ, thanks for the call. As always, you're okay. always great. Um, we knew coming into this season that that the Knicks did not have the true point guard. I mean, you had R.J. Barrett playing point guard. for, the, for He's 19 years old. I mean, that's not a knock on, on young people at all because at 19, you could be doing great things, and we've seen it. But he's not a point guard. And R.J. Barrett was the point guard for a little bit under David Fisdale's Knicks. Now, that ship has sailed. We know that. And one of the first, I guess the first time that the Knicks and Nets squared off, it was, we had talked to on this program, Chris Sheeran from the S Network. And, you know, he does Nets stuff, obviously, with the S Network. But I had asked him, um, is foul shooting going to be a problem for R.J. Barrett this season? Well, you know, he said, hey, he's young, whatever. I mean, still to this day. He's still only shooting a 54.9% from the field free throw. I mean, that's not good. At that point in time, though, it was like 17. So he has improved. So maybe that's something we can, like CJ said, we we could be thankful for or have a gift under the tree of R.J. Barrett. Probably a a better gift under the tree, like he said, is going to be a nice lottery ball with the number one overall pick in the next draft. Then maybe the Knicks can get something going. Kevin and Camden. You're on the fan. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? I am good. I want to talk about Batances to the Mets. Yeah. I I love the move. I think if everybody stays healthy, and it's a big if, because I don't, you know, see as familiar. Um, if they stay healthy, I mean, and if Batances comes back healthy, I think they could rebound and have a pretty big year. But I have a question. I'm not, I'm not sure if um, is he still injured? Batances. Batances. No, they said or he said he's ready to go beginning spring training. I didn't hear that, so uh, all right, then that's good then. But uh, I still do not trust Brody Van Wagenen, despite this great move I like. But I just don't trust him, you know, to, to know Diaz trade. I mean, I, I don't, you know, that's just his track record. I don't trust it fully yet. But. I could see the Diaz thing, but, I mean, he was very good coming from Seattle. Diaz was very good coming from Seattle. And who, who knew he was going to have this collapse here in New York? But the thing about that trade that bothers me is the Cano piece of it? That yeah, that it's gonna it's gonna kill for a few years. Yeah, yep. Um, so uh, thanks, it's Kevin, for the call. Actually, so I had I was told you guys before on Twitter. I had asked, you know, what is your level? Here's the question: What is your level in trust? As he just mentioned, in uh, GM Brody Van Wagenen to get to the Mets, to the World Series in the next one to two years. I gave you four choices, and we could talk about this at eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Uh, I, my, I have four choices. A, Brody Van Wagenen absolutely gets not done. Gets it done. I had it the window one to two years. So A, Brody Van Wagenen absolutely gets it done. B, maybe. C, probably not. Or D, definitely can't. And I tell you that most people, thirty eight percent. It was kind of split, but thirty eight percent of people said he's Brody Van Wagenen probably not cannot get the Mets to a World Series in the next one to two years. Next was maybe. And then 25% of the votes said definitely can't. And if you're doing the math, only seven says absolutely gets it done. I think where I fall is I'm in the maybe category because there's two ways you can look at Brody Van Wagen and what he's done. He's obviously the Hollywood type, you know. He looks like a Hollywood actor. You could look at him that way with little to no substance. Or... 
you could look at as a, a savvy businessman operating with the Wilpons tight wallet. There's two ways to look at Brody Van Wagenen. I hate to do this because it kind of falls directly in the middle for me. I always like picking yes, no, never gray. Right now, this is a gray area for me. And after two off seasons, I don't have a perfect read on Brody Van Wagenen. For me, his biggest mess up, if not one of, was his, I think, the first move as Mets GM. Like we just talked about with Kevin. Diaz didn't bother me. Besides the fact that he was really good in Seattle, he made only five hundred and seventy one oh yeah, only only five hundred and seventy one thousand dollars in two thousand eighteen. He's not eligible for arbitration until twenty twenty. And he won't be eligible for free agency until after the twenty twenty two season. So Diaz didn't bother me. And then when you look at the guys that they sent, the personnel they they also sent, well, Jared Kelenich, he went to Seattle. He's a center fielder that still hasn't cracked the majors. And prospect Justin Dunn went too. Justin Dunn went to Seattle and spent 2019, the whole season, in double-A ball. So for Diaz, that didn't, that didn't bother me. But Cano, the Cano deal... I told you guys this. This is going to hurt the Mets for years to come. Years. Because the article I read said that the Mets will be responsible for $100 million owed to Cano remaining. So in 2020, he's making Cano is making $20 million. $7 million more than Jacob deGrom, by the way. And then he it's like a steady diet of $20 millions after that. $20 million, $20 million. I mean, I get it. A 40-year-old Robinson Cano is making $20 million. Come on, man. I just It's a head-scratching. We got a call last week about Bobby Bonilla. This might be a better contract. A 40-year-old Cano still making $20 million a year. Also, that's not to mention the ramifications on the rest of the team. Jeff McNeil, in particular. Jeff McNeil has his his best position at second base. He's a 988 fielding percentage at second base. With Cano, that pushes him to their starting third baseman. McNeil, I mean. There, his fielding percentage drops drastically to 961. In fact, it's his worst defensive position. I mean, that's bad. And for me... The biggest, the the biggest pro for Brody Van Wagenen, his biggest acquisition, obviously is Dylan Batances. I mean, we talked about here ad nauseum, guys. The bullpen was the Mets' Achilles' heel last season. Diaz, namely, absolutely imploded, single-handedly, <laughs> throughout his performance and blown saves last season, cost the Mets a postseason berth. There's no doubt in my mind. So Brody goes out. Gets still, in my opinion, a top-tier reliever. I know CJ called him a middle guy. I think he's still a top-tier reliever in Batances to shore up the bullpen. And not only does he do it, he does it in a creative way. Like I hoped would be done when I cited the Madness and Bumgarner contract on Sunday with the, with the Diamondbacks. By the way, the Mets were never in on him. He wanted to be close to his horses in Arizona. So Batances-friendly, New York Mets-friendly contract, 
And with the $6 million player option in 2021, this is, this is just a good deal all around. So Dylan Patances is a New York Met. We could talk pros and cons right after the break. Get on the phone, 877-337-6666. Do you like him in a Mets uniform? What if you're a Yankee fan? How do you like seeing him? If he's going to dominate the back end of the Mets bullpen this year. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Good morning again, everybody. It's me here and, and Justin Timberlake here with you on WFAN. No, he's not really here in the studio. It's just Suss's intro song, which I very much appreciate. And uh, you guys can load up the calls, 877-337-6666. Let's keep talking. We were just talking about how Dellen Patances is a New York Met. And I would love to know the Yankee perspective of if you're a Yankee fan and your team didn't bring back Dellen Patances for, what, $10.5 million? I mean, that's chump change to the Yankees, right? Isn't it? And then you, theoretically, you're going to see Dellen Patances rise up after not really playing in 2019 at all for you. And if he dominates, and if he helps the Mets get deep into this postseason, dare I say it, they used the word Brody Van Wagen and used championship. How's that going to make you feel? Is that going to make you feel some type of way? And if you're a Mets fan, what are your thoughts on Della Batances? Because I read that Batances had the opportunity to sign for more money elsewhere. And I think the new storyline coming into this season is going to be the the same old, uh, what's his name, uh, Todd Frazier's from Tom's River. Uh, did you hear that? Did you guys hear that Tom Fra- uh, Todd Frazier? He's from Tom's River. Did you hear that? Did you hear he once gave a, a story to, uh, I think it was News 12, CBS, about uh, the turkeys in the, in the town? Did you see that? No, I think this Dylan Batances is from New York City thing is going to get played out, if not already. If he if he in fact really was offered more money to sign elsewhere, and he picked the and picked the Mets, Queens, I mean that's a good look for the Mets, and they're and they're shambles, you know. So the a couple pros, I, you know me by now, I I research everything out. A couple pros for Dylan Batances. I have, he's on a one year prove it deal. I love those kind. He has an elite, elite upside. His career ERA is 2.36. He's a four-time All-Star. And his fastball could reach 101 miles an hour. And that is pretty good. I mean, that's a Roldis Chapman style. If you add that to the fact that he has 100, and, 100 strikeouts in five consecutive seasons... It's a career rate of 14.6 strikeouts per nine. You know who's on, the only, there's only two better in baseball history. Hader and Chapman with that rate. Only Hader and Chapman have higher rates of strikeouts per nine among relievers with at least 100 innings. I mean, come on. So the, the upside for Dallin Patances is obviously very high. Then you got some cons. He's only made one appearance in 2019. So he's in, in essence, he's gotten the whole year off. And this isn't Le'Veon Bell year off. This is this is rehab year off because he had the sh- shoulder injury and a partial Achilles tendon tear. 
whereas Le'Veon Bell was working out every single day. I'm sure Don Patensis was, but to an extent. And the Achilles, it happened. I mean, it's it's weak. It happened as he jumped off the mound to celebrate a strikeout in his first game back. Boom, done. He is expected to be at full strength come spring training. Now, I teased this in the open. I'll give it to you. This is, uh, I had a conversation with, with Dylan Batances, January 21st, 2017, in uh, Boone Enterprises Authentic Autographs in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. And I noticed something, and I asked him about it. I said, well, here's the thing. In 2000, this is, and this is from 2017, I, I talked to him. In 2016, runners attempted to steal 21 bases on Dylan Batances. All 20 of, 21 of them were safe at the next base. Batances is slow to the plate. He's got a big frame. He is slow to the plate. And so is Noah Syndergaard, by the way. So I asked him, the question was, does it hinder you that you're a big guy moving forward with your pickoff move? He said, this is a quote from him to me. He said, yeah, that's something I never really worked on as much, but I feel like I've been taking advantage of, of that part of my game. So I feel like that is something I've got to work on. And I've been working on it this offseason. That's the end quote. Slow to the plate equals many stolen bases equals many runs. You don't need me to tell you that. Because in 2016, like I just said, runners went 21 for 21 against him. I mean, even, I think, five games, Gary Sanchez was behind the plate. And I know I get on Gary Sanchez for his defense often, early and often. I think, what does he have, the fastest throw to second base in the league coupled with the fastest glove-to-hand glove transfer and, and, and throw down to second base. So if you're working with that and there's, there's still 21 for 21 against you, you got, you got problems. Stolen base was attempted in, let's just say, 18% of opportunities. Now we have this conversation in January 2017. Runners are 21 for 26 in stolen bases attempted. That's 13.9% of opportunities. So they had a slight decrease. And a couple more guys thrown out. A slight decrease in, let's say, opportunities. And a few more thrown out. And in 2019, after that, you know, he said he was working on it. In 2019, he barely played, so that's out. And it's just troublesome to me because even in his best season with that 14% of opportunities were taken by base runners the league average was 5.2% it's almost triple the league average of stolen base attempts that's it though that's the list that's the list of cons I think this was an awesome signing with tons of upside for Brody Van Wagenen who to this point for me hasn't done much this entire offseason and while sure, you could point to and you know, talk to me about the risks, 877-337-6666. You got Diaz, Familia, and Batanzas. I know. But imagine if one or two of them even actually pans out. What about all three? So what's next for the Mets? Honestly, the moves they made under the salary restrictions they have, I think they're quite set. Justin in Floral Park, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm good. Merry how are Christmas. you? Merry Christmas to you, too. Doing well. Well, I'm a big Yankee fan, uh-huh. and, you know, I try to be a realist here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Dylan, you know, come through the system. Um, I think it's a low-risk, high-reward. Yep. Um, but honestly, like you said, he hasn't pitched since, what, 2017 fully? 
Um, you know, I have a lasting image of him against the Astros, uh, Altuve stealing on him. Um, so honestly, in a big, big game, I just don't trust him. Um, you know, maybe he'll turn it around with the Mets. I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you're the Yankees, there's a reason why they didn't even offer him the money. So they know something that we don't. Um, you know, the guy got hurt basically celebrating off the mound, mm-hmm. which is scary. Yeah, so, it's very weak. But, yeah. yeah, I'm sure he's working to strengthen it. So I Probably. Mean, for the Mets, like you said, it's high risk, high rewards for yeah. the Mets for sure. I mean, honestly, if I had to rank them, I would put Dalen ahead of Diaz and Familia of guys I would trust more. Yeah, me too. But I don't think Familia can pitch in New York, and Diaz already has shown in one year that he can't pitch in New York. Oh, he's even so, said it as much, basically. Said it without yeah. saying it. But yeah. you got to keep both those guys because no, you're not going to get anything for either of those guys. Not right now, even. No. So, I mean, as for a Yankee thing, obviously they either have something else up their sleeve, whether it be a hater or somebody on a lower end. But honestly, I really think Patances, if he was on the Yankees, he's like maybe a sixth-inning guy for this team. Yeah, I know. I'm putting Canely ahead of him. Yeah. I'm putting uh, Adovino, Green, and obviously Chapman. Britain. And Britain. Yeah. So, I mean, where is Patances even fitting on the Yankees? Yep, he's not. I mean, not to be arrogant about it, but yeah, no. is <laughs> the best in, bull- in baseball. Yeah. So I mean, you're even throwing in a J.A. Happ, who's probably going to be in the pen. Yeah, so, or, or or traded. We'll see. Right. That's, that, that's going to be maybe a salary dump sort of situation. So I think it's a better move for the Mets. And listen, the Mets, honestly, right now, they're still, to me, and again, not being arrogant about it, they're still the fourth best team in that division. Yep. So they yep. had to do something. So maybe this you know, they hit lightning in a bottle with Diaz, Familia, and Patances. And wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> I would like for another Subway series. It'd be nice. That'd be nice. That, oh, that would that would make my job very easy, Justin. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Thank you. And, and I hope you hang on after the break. I know we're at the top of the hour, but I do. I did want to talk about Josh Hader. Would he fit in the Bronx? So I, I do hope you hang on for at least another 10 minutes or so. Ray in Connecticut, you're on the fan. Danielle, Merry Christmas. How are you? Good. Merry Christmas. Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, I think that one of the things that's not being given enough um, play with regards to Batanzas is that has it occurred to you that Dylan Batanzas didn't re-sign with the Yankees because he felt disrespected when he went to arbitration? Yeah. And that, and it, and it wasn't just that he was disrespected, it was the response of uh, Leon Trost, the pre- Yankees president, afterwards, um, disrespecting him in the press. And he, maybe he just doesn't want to play pitch the Yankees anymore. Yeah, and that could be it. I mean, that does happen. And, sure. and, and, the, and, and you know, with the, 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 the numbers that you're throwing out, um, in the last five years, uh, his ERA wasn't, wasn't 2.36, it was 2.22. And in the last five years, he, 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 um, pitched at least 70 innings a year. So if Dylan Batanda pitches as he did for the last five years in his recovery year, mm-hmm. they're giving him a 23% bonus of $2.5 million on a $10.5 million trade, or, or excuse me, contract. Right. Okay, they're giving it to him. Yeah. They're basically saying all you have to do, man, is, 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 is pitch like you, and, and he's saying, that's fine. I'll take the $13 million. Yep. And- that's that, that's the way he's looking at it. And the $1 million bonus for playing in 50 games. I, I'd take that, too. Uh, and, and so, so from, from my vantage point, it's not that the Yankees didn't want him. Dylan Batanzas didn't want the Yankees. And what better place, okay, to show that you can do it than in Queens? Mm-hmm. 
All right. Yeah. Every every you know night at ten o'clock, whoever's there, they're going to be talking about Dylan Matanzas and what if he proves to be successful. Yep. And without question, all right. For the last five years, again, last year doesn't count. Nineteen doesn't count. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was the best. The second, the best setup man in baseball. Yep. Forget Zach Britton. Well, and then, and Ray, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I love when you guys bring stats and everything to the argument here because they're irrefutable. Quite frankly, they're irrefutable, as someone said to me leaving here the other day. But I, I just think we're going to find out for sure, Ray, if, in fact, the Yankees did offer him anything, and then we will be able to see, you know, if he did, in fact, make the, the choice between Yankees-Mets and other teams. Were the Yankees one of those teams that offered him more money and he, he turned him down? It could very well be. And that will come out, I am sure. I wish I can have an opportunity to talk with him, honestly. But you're right. He's on a prove-it deal. It's it's Betances-friendly. It's Mets-friendly. And for the Yankees, he doesn't exactly fit in, though. He doesn't. And he, you, know, you said he's a nice setup man. Sure, he is. But for who? For the Mets. He's going to set up for Diaz? See how that pans out. And and uh, we will talk about, is Josh Hader a good fit in the Bronx? Might be surprised what I have to say about that. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Hey, everybody. At the top of the hour, I'm Daniel McCartan back with you. I'm McCartan After Midnight here on WFAN, the premier, the original sports radio station here in the United States of America. Coming to you live from lower Manhattan, of course, in the regular studio, the Mike Francesa studio here. Um, we're just talking about Dylan Batantis being with the Mets, tr- picking the, theoretically picking the, the blue and orange of the Mets over the blue and white of the Yankees. And... Were the Yankees one of those teams that might have offered Dylan Batances a contract that he turned down? A contract for more money that he might have turned down? Maybe. It's possible. I don't think so. Because you saw that the Yankees weren't budging really on, on the D.D. Gregorius contract, which actually I think, I don't, I don't know if I like that move. I, I think D.D. Is, is, is worth the whatever he got, the one-year deal at uh, however many, what, $13 million or whatever. I think he's well worth it. We're going to talk in a second about some some Yankees moves. And Justin in Westchester has been tweeting me during the break, and he said he can't call in because he can't wake up the whole house. But he says that, talking about Dell and Batantis being on the Mets, I wish him well. Thank, uh, Yanks will certainly miss that kind of potential. However, they did win 103 games without him in 2019. Right. So the Yankees aren't really going to miss him that much. Their bullpen is pretty good. Let's start ninth inning and work, you know, towards the beginning of the game. We got Chapman probably in the ninth, Britton, Canley, Ottavino, Green, Sessa, even, and then you got a whole bunch of. I mean, the Yankees bullpen it, it is what it is, and with Garrett Cole being part of the rotation now, being able to go deeper into games, hopefully that's a whole nother conversation that Aaron Boone needs to let these guys go deeper into games. And every week I point to the the uh, Masahiro Tanaka. Yanking him in the seventh inning. He's cruising along. It gives the Astros a, a look at the bullpen that um, 
an extra look, and it, it came back to bite him, in my opinion. You know, if, if as a batter, you've been exposed to that pitcher literally the night before, to me, as a batter, I'm seeing the ball a lot bigger than I did the night before. So if Tanaka is is doing fine, then no, don't pull him. There's no reason to pull him. And I hope that there's no reason Aaron Boone pulls Cole or any of the guys this season just to get to that bullpen. And we Well, we saw how well that worked out in, in the postseason to get to the bullpen, make that a bullpen game. Yeah, look what happened. The Astros went on to win the uh, the, the ALCS, and you had a classic case of starting pitching dominance against each other. You had the, the Houston Astros with two of the finalists for the AL Cy Young Award in Justin Verlander and, and of course, Garrett Cole. Going against the Washington Nationals and their top flight starting pitching and their NL Cy Young nominee finalist, Max Scherzer, who, of course, lost it to our New York Jacob deGrom. But what I'm trying to say is. Aaron Boone tried to bullpen his way to the World Series and, and through the World Series, and it didn't work. Now you've got the best starting pitcher in baseball. You've got Masahiro Tanaka, who is has ice running through his veins in the postseason. And then you got Severino coming back on an up season, hopefully, for, for Yankees. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, there's not much else for the Yankees to do. I have three options. One could be salary dump Jay Happ. Two could be add a lefty bat. Three would be make some trades with some prospects. And then again, is that name Josh Hader? Is he a fit in the Bronx? My answer might surprise you. But first, let's head out to Queens. Ben, you're on the fan. Morning, Miss Danielle. My my second time hearing you, but my first time calling in. All right, I'm glad. All what right? do you got for so, me tonight? Merry Christmas to Merry you Christmas. and yours. And I'm going to go with your topic a little bit here, mm-hmm. okay? I will start with not my team, the Mets. Uh, I think they got everything they needed. I think the Mets would need another lefty bat, if possible. Somebody, someone to, to, um, to complement their lineup right now. Okay. I just don't know where to place them because they're... Their their lineup is is in flux, but I would say the Mets and the Yankees are both on that lefty bat like wavelength right. for the Mets power for the Yankees contact hitting somebody to take the pressure off a of Judge yep. and Stanton. So you know I think both of them are on the same wavelength, and you know what? Congrats to the Mets and thank you, Dylan Batances, for everything you tried to do for my Yanks. Okay, I, I'll be I'll be genuine okay. and nice on that one. Sure. Um, with the Knicks and the Nets, the Nets are getting their present coming later with Durant. With the Knicks, it's kind of hard to to pin down an exact thing. I mean, I would love to have another ball handler. I'm a child of the Ewing Knicks. I'd love to have a, a sturdy big man there to compliment Robinson. But you know what? I just want stability. 
I know, but the league, though, is as a trend in the league, is going away from the big guys. And that's what's hindering the Knicks right now, that they have too many big guys. Yeah, yeah. So so you can see where it's kind of thing, but you know what? One of the reasons I liked the previous coach, I was like, hopefully he's building a rapport with the team. It was just the unevenness of the games. That's why I want stability for them. Right. You know? And finally, I will go, I'll forego hockey. I will go Giants and Jets. All right. With the Jets, my Jets, a pass rusher. I need a pass. I need someone to disrupt the other team. You're right. Our all-star this year has been Greg Williams because I don't know how this team is that good defensively mm-hmm. with how bad we've been hit. A turnover. I mean, not turnovers like in the game, but turnover among the, the guys in the different positions. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And for the Giants, and, and you know, you, you, you think and and – the Giants got talent, but at the same time, the Giants just have these lapses. So for the Giants, it, it, it is simple. You got Daniel Jones, you got Barkley. Give me a stud offensive lineman to settle that that thing down. So Jones isn't the 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 the, the um, turnovers and stuff aren't that aware. That the last game, I mean. What no rookie has ever done that. That shows you if you give this kid time, yeah. he he's the goods right there for you. So a stud offensive lineman for the Giants and Miss Danielle. Thank you for the time. And again, it was a pleasure listening to you on my overnight. That's awesome. Right. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you keep it tuned in. Um, obviously, he had a lot. He opened up the Pandora's box of Jets and Giants, which obviously I would love to talk some Jets and Giants. Um, but Daniel Jones, I think. I mean, Dave Gettleman was almost run out of town for trading up to get Daniel Jones. I, I at first was kind of taken aback by it, I'll be honest. When I really, as you know me by now, when I really sat down and looked at it, and I heard and saw that people with their names to it said that he wasn't going to be there by the time the Giants picked, picked, they had to move up to go get him. I knew there was something. And when I was at Giants camp this summer, it, it was palpable. It was actually palpable, the excitement that he brought to that team. And this is no knock on Eli Manning. Eli Manning is the man, okay? But Daniel Jones is, is quite the successor to him. And how about you replace Nate Solder with the kid from, uh, what, Georgia, right? The offensive lineman from Georgia, Thomas. And I think the Jets, uh, although their defense is really good, I think they're very weak in the cornerback, cornerback position. Because you got guys like Arthur Mollette. I mean, nothing against undrafted free agents, but that's a premier position. That Trumaine Johnson didn't work out. You know that. But with a premier position, you got to go with the surefire guy. I mean, Jets fans are spoiled for a long time with Darrell Revis and, and Revis Island out there. Eric in Long Island, you're on the fan. Hey, girl. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, about the chances. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stuff, and I got to tell you something. I love, I love, I, I love New York baseball, mm-hmm. and I love New York Mets fans. They're so true. And they love their team. I'm a Yankees fan, but I still love New York baseball. But I've, my question is, why is this fawning 
of a Batanzas deal because I I saw nothing of him last year. His ERA was zero point zero zero. Nobody did. He had yeah. no losses, no wins. Yeah, he hasn't pitched in over a year. So my my question is, why is everyone going gaga over Batanzas? I think, Eric, everyone's going gaga over Batantis because the Mets had an a, atrocious bullpen last season. And Batantis is that big-name dude that has agreed to come to the Mets. I think that's the narrative. I think that's what people are getting caught up in. But, then, but I, I'm looking at I, I want I want physical, like, capability. And I don't, I don't get that from this guy. But he has it, though. He's had 100 strikeouts in five consecutive seasons besides this 19. 21 and 22. And Career record. That, but he's not a starting pitcher. He's a relief pitcher. I, I understand that, but I haven't seen much. From, listen, he's a question mark. My point is... Of course. I'm not saying he's a surefire thing. He's a question mark, but he's also got a two three six ERA career. I think that's pretty good if you're a relief pitcher. That's not bad. My my kid? No, it's good. But anyway, um, my point is, I love the Mets fans, and I appreciate their enthusiasm, but you know what? It's a question mark, and don't get your hopes up. Eric, thanks for the call. And that's a, a warning for Mets fans. Don't get your hopes up. I mean, sure, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, too, especially because you've got such a, an unsettled, unproven back end of that bullpen. Batantis, like he mentioned, put up zeros because – he didn't pitch last season. We get that. You got Familia, who needs to figure it out on and off the field. And then you got Edwin Diaz, who comes over. Stud. Stud. On the Mariners. Can't pitch in New York. And I think, and although I didn't want him as manager for the Mets, uh, Carlos Beltran, I wanted Girardi. I think everybody wanted Girardi as, as to be the Mets' new manager. But it's Carlos Beltran, and I mean, one of the things I had seen when it first had happened was that Diaz is very excited to work with Beltran because of the fact that he has played in for both New York teams, and that he can, I think the quote was, he could teach me how to navigate the, the New York market. That to me right there, maybe I'm paraphrasing, and maybe it wasn't a direct quote, I don't have it in front of me, but that to me right there says that Edwin Diaz you know, maybe maybe New York it was was the issue for him. Maybe it wasn't the mechanics. Maybe it began with pitching in New York and trickled down into the mechanics, trickled down into the game plan, trickled down into the prep the, the prep preparation for every single game. The pressure in every game. So by having Carlos Beltran, I'm optimistic for Met the Mets and the Mets fans that Edwin Diaz might be able to turn it around. Familia, not so uh, sold on Familia. We've seen that. We've seen that show here in New York before. But Diaz and Batances, back in that bullpen, 7th, 8th, Batances, ninth Diaz. I, I think, I think, I don't know. And with the caller just said, Eric, you know, yes, you know, Mets fans are, are, are very genuine. All fans are, of course. If you weren't genuine, you wouldn't be a fan, right? But why are they getting so excited? Why are Mets fans so excited? Well, because the bullpen, in my opinion, was the re- more particularly Edwin Diaz and his blown saves, 
if you take away even a few of them those blow saves, Mets are a playoff team. And that was the one thing that needed to be addressed. The need needed to be addressed. And he finally did it on Christmas Eve, Brody Van Wagenen with Dylan Batances. Talk more. Take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. Maybe the value of Jeff McNeil, if you guys want to go that way. Or Josh Hader to the Yankees. Maybe. We'll see. I'm Daniel McCartan after midnight on The Fan. Party Rock is in the house tonight. That's right. Yankees are going to be partying, hopefully, all the way to the Canyon of Heroes this season. This Obviously, this is uh, LMFAO, right? Is, is, yeah, that's yeah, the artist, yeah. Thanks, us. Uh, you guys can load up the calls, 877-337-6666. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and it, it, today's Kwanzaa, too, isn't it? It's, let me check my calendar really quick. Yeah, it's Kwanzaa, too, so Happy Kwanzaa, if that's what you say to that. I'm sorry, I'm not very well-versed in that, but Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas to everybody. And I'm wondering if you guys hit the eggnog a little too hard and you guys are sleeping. Let's go, 877-337-6666. We're about to talk New York Yankees and their quest to the Canyon of Heroes, which is not too far from our studios here in Lower Manhattan. So my question is, would Josh Hader, one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball, fit in the Bronx? Well, right now, at this moment in time, I'm not into it. I'm not into it at this moment in time. And I wanted to just, I was tweeting during the break, obviously, at Chris Antonacci, nice Italian name, Buon Natale to you, Chris. He says, Dylan Matanzas will pitch in high leverage situations for the Mets. In those situations, you often need strikeouts. Batances is one of the best of all time with 14.6 strikeouts per nine innings. Yes. Chris, you've been paying attention. And Diaz wasn't the guy in those high leverage situations for the Mets, by the way. So, right now, I am not really that into Josh Hader fitting into the Bronx. Sure, he's got a 2-4-2 career ERA. But we were just talking right now about the Yankees party rocking all the way to the Canyon of Heroes. Hater, one of the knocks I have on him, according to MLB.com, he's got an 18, 18, Dichotto ERA in one single inning in the postseason. That causes me concern. I'd rather stick with Adam Adovino. He's, he, we've seen him in the postseason. All fans, all baseball fans have seen him and how he's performed this past uh, postseason. Not too good, right? We can all agree on that. His ERA in the postseason this year was only an 8.1 in 3.1 innings pitched. Three and a third innings pitched, he's putting an 8.1 as in his ERA. Meanwhile, Hayter's got an 18 ERA in the postseason. Hater, I'm not convinced on. Is he one of those guys that's just a really good regular season pitcher? Seems that way. Because that 18 sticks out like a sore thumb. But here's the real reason why I'm going to hold off on Hater, At least until the trade deadline. You guys can give me your thoughts. 877-337-6666. The real reason why I'm holding off on Hater, at least till the trade deadline in July, is Gio Urshela. Here's why. Because if the Brewers, 
who are not set at third base, their deal is going to start and end with Miguel Andujar. I, as a Yankees brass, am not making that move just yet. A, I'm not convinced that Miguel Andujar has damaged goods just yet. Coming off that uh, that injury that only allowed him to play 12 games last season. To me, he's not yet damaged goods. And how quickly we forget that he was absolutely robbed of the Rookie of the Year title in 2018. He lost it to Shohei Otani of the Angels. I mean, he hit 297 in that season, 297 with 27 home runs and 92 RBIs. Franchise record 47 doubles. Seventh in the AL in extra base hits. This is all Miguel Andujar. And do you guys ever play that game, the video game? This is not an ad or anything, but you guys ever play MLB The Show? You know, the video game? I played on PlayStation. Where you, my favorite part is that you you make your rookie, you take him to the majors as fast as humanly possible, right? Miguel Andujar is kind of like that guy. He went from... 2017, he had 58 games at AAA. I'm sorry. He had 58 games at AAA in 2017 to the starting third baseman on a playoff contender in less than six months. That's stuff you really only see in MLB The Show. (laughs) So, A, I'm not convinced you're moving Andujar just yet because of what he's done before the injury. And B... I'm not convinced that Gio Urshela can keep the ninth to 2019 pace in 2020. Because he put up, I mean, the 314 batting average, 889 on base plus slugging, astounding 236 total bases. Those are some really crazy numbers. And you know what else they are? They're all above, well above his career numbers over the four years he's been in the majors, including that last year. So those career numbers that I factored in included those big numbers. So those numbers he put up last year are well beyond any numbers that he's put in, put up in his career. And when I look at baseball reference, it's another website I like to use, it projects him to be lower in all of those categories that we just discussed. Maybe returning back to earth, maybe. Maybe 2019 is the anomaly in his career statistics. So here's what I'm saying. You got to stand pat for now until that trade deadline comes around. You give half a season to Urshela to see if his true colors come out. You let them, you know, compete for, for third base. You give them both a half a season to let their true colors come out, Urshela and Andujar. If you're the Yankees, you're going to pick which one you're going to keep, then move forward appropriately. Because with Didi Gregorius gone, to move one of those guys right now, there is a lot less flexibility in the New York Yankees infield, especially in regards to their defensive positioning. And, of course, their lineup. That's where they're going to miss Didi the most, in the lineup. North Brunswick. Tom, you're on the fan. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. You too, uh, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I'm Mets fan, but uh, I'm going to do what some people do with Yankee Yankee fans. I don't talk about the Yankees. I never, you know, I respect them. 
But, you know, like you said, J.R. Yashella, he was a career minor leaguer. He never did anything in his life. And, and I'm glad that he did good because I'm a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. But then you'd go to, to Marisnik on the Mets. Yeah. And be, yeah, because he never hit. But uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. I, I, you know, and that's got a defensive center fielder. He's one of the best in baseball. He is in that, yes. And, 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 and you know, I'm not saying he's going to hit, but, I mean, uh, it's not out of the question. And then with, with, the, uh, with Matanzas, oh, he's injured. First of all, he's healthy. They said he's healthy. Yep. That's all we got to go on. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, I think it's a great signing, and we'll have to see. And even with Diaz, Diaz had a horrible year last year. But the year before, he had one of the most dominant years that you can have. So yep. we don't really know what's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and if he does return back to form, Danielle, then, and Patances does stay on the field, like, it, it's going to be a great bullpen. And the Met, you, I don't know if you, you, know, you pay attention to the Mets games all the time yeah. when you can, but mm-hmm. they're always in the game, late in the game, because they got real good starting pitching. Yep. And, uh, you know, and the bullpen, do you, I, I don't care about the other teams. Their bullpen destroyed them. The Mets could have won the World Series last year, just like the Nationals, if they would have got in because they have good starting pitching. Well, that's the problem. And I think that's going to be the same problem again this year, Tom, because the Mets are not going to win the NL East. I mean, maybe they will. They'll yeah. be surprising everybody. But they're not going to win the NL East. So they're going to be a yeah. wild card team. That's what they're going yeah. for. Well, I mean, we got to wait and see because I, I happen to believe that, um, you know, and, and I know I'm not trying to drink the Kool-Aid or anything, but mm-hmm. – I don't understand why people think the Phillies lineup is better than the Mets. The Mets have, they have a first baseman at 120 runs batted, and they got an all-star third baseman. Conforto is getting better every year. He almost had 100 runs batted, and they got a real good hitting catcher. The shortstop's a good hitter. I don't see the Phillies lineup as deep as the Mets. Uh, and now I know that they're going to have a good season, but the, the team I'm afraid of is the Braves. Yeah. Not the, I'm not afraid of the Nationals. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Phillies, I know, are going to be better, but the Braves are one that drives me crazy. Yeah. So you have a good, you have a good day today. Thank you. And, and thanks for the call, Tom. Yeah, Braves. If you're a Mets fan, the Braves are going to scare scare me as well because, I mean, first of all, let's just preface this by saying the the NL East is the most competitive, toughest division in all of baseball. It's already going to be that. So if you're the Mets. I don't think you're beating the Braves. I mean, I would love for the Mets to prove me wrong. Don't call up here and get me, you know, all, all, oh, Mets hater, Mets hater. No, I would love the Mets to prove me wrong. You guys know by now that I'm, I'm pretty much a, a logical realist as to what's going on here. I think that the Mets are going to be wanting that wild card spot, earning that wild card spot, and then you never know what can happen after that. But they're just going to have to get in the door. And what I like about the Mets lineup, as opposed to the Yankees lineup, is the fact that they have, I mean, you got Alonzo, he's a power dude, obviously, obviously. Ramos, power dude, obviously. You got guys like Jeff McNeil. You got guys like J.D. Davis. Brendan Nemo. That's how you say it in Italian, Nemo. I mean, these guys hit for average, and Jeff McNeil might be one of the best ones on the team. And hitting for average. The Mets get on base. I mean, I know the Yankees get on base too, but the Mets play that old school sort of game. And I don't see them getting away from that. And that's, you know me, I, I, I like that. I can't stand this launch angle when you got Judge, Stanton, and, and Sanchez three in a row in an order. That's That's brutal. I mean, when it works, it works, but when it doesn't, 
my God, that's, that's, that's three outs. And maybe a present for the Yankees would be the fact that, you know, number 99 and number 27, Judge and Stanton, maybe, maybe they're working on hitting the outside pitch, low outside, maybe. I mean, because that is both of their Achilles heel with, with that type of swing. I don't teach that type of swing, but I'm also not a baseball coach, you know? And I, I'm sure it works. I'm sure it does. And when it works, it's beautiful. It's exciting. Stanton smash, it's exciting. But I, 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 I don't know. I think this is going to be very exciting times um, for baseball in this city, which I said to one of the callers, this is going to make my job real easy, coming on here and talking about that. For sure. Can you imagine a Subway series? I know I'm exciting everybody now. Some of you guys are rolling your eyes and some of you guys are like, yeah. Ready to run through a wall, right? But imagine. I mean, the Yankees are expected to get there. But do you think the Mets can pull pull off their end of the bargain? Especially if Diaz, Batances, and Familia come into their own? I mean, I, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Maybe add a piece at the trade deadline. And you're in business if you're the Mets. And then you're going to be really in business when that when that Cohen money comes in. I mean, I hear Mets fans talking about Mookie Betts. Oh my God, can you imagine that? Mookie Betts. So we have a football Sunday coming up, and we we haven't really talked about much football yet. So we could talk about how the Jets are going to be playing the JV Buffalo Bills coming up on Sunday. Maybe that's where we'll start. And. I know you know my feelings about Adam Gase. And here's another one. Here's another feather to add into the cap of Adam Gase, the wonderful offensive guru of the New York Jets. Oh, I can't wait. Keep the calls coming. 877-337-6666. We'll hit the money other side of the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Get ready for a holiday week Nets-Knicks matchup. Tonight, when these two teams meet at the Barclays Center, tip-off is 7.35 with our pregame coverage underway at 7.15. Chris Carino and Tim Capstraw will bring you all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for the Brooklyn Nets, The Fan, Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. And good morning again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan here on The Fan. Just want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. It's not, it's still, we could still say that. Very Merry Christmas, very Happy Hanukkah. And in fact, it is a very happy Kwanzaa today on December 26th, 2019. Uh, and just that goes out to everybody here in the New York metro area, listening on, on the terrestrial radio, and everybody else listening on, on the radio.com app. And um, I know there's a lot of you out there, so... Um, listening all over, all over the country, all over the world, maybe even. So just want to say thanks for that. And um, obviously, this show is caller-driven, so 877-337-6666. Get on the phone. Let's talk to Sus behind the glass there, and let's talk about your thoughts. So I, I kind of let in a little bit before about about the, the, the Mets lineup and how balanced they are and how um, how they hit for average. And... Jeff McNeil is that guy that hits for average. And I think he is going to be the unsung hero for the Mets. I mean, of course, you got guys like Alonso, 
garnering all the headlines. You got, obviously, two-time back-to-back Cy Young Award winner Jacob DeGrom. You know, I'm not taking anything away from these guys, but what is that exactly is the value of Jack McNeil? I think he's a great player. I do not think he's a trade piece either. I mean, the guy can play every basically every infield position, even the outfield. He has played the outfield for the New York Mets at the MLB level. Versatility, hits for average, gets on base. He's one of those guys you actually like want to root for. Very likable. So is Brandon Nemo. He's, he plays any outfield position, gets on base. Don't you love when he walks, he draws a walk and he runs down the baseline? It's a direct contrast to what happens at the Mets at second base with Robinson Cano, isn't it? Shots fired. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, this this Cano thing to New York, maybe you're listening, Robinson Cano. Maybe you could prove me wrong. I hope you do. But this Cano thing to, to New York and the Mets and all the money, it's it's just handcuffed them um, for things they wanted to do moving forward. And, you know, you got to blame Brody Van Wagenen for that. I know Cano was one of his clients, so I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Um, but that goes back to the level of trust that, that Mets fans have in Brody Van Wagenen to get them to the World Series in the next one to two Years, and according to my very scientific Twitter poll, most of you guys said it's probably not going to happen. Andy in Miami, see you're on the app, <laughs> you're on the fan. Andy, what's up? Oh yeah, Radio.com is perfect. There Merry Christmas, Danielle. You too. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. So I've called twice. The yes. first time I called, I was saying that the Yankees had to sign Garrett Cole and that he'd been the white whale. For, for Cashman, yep. and he pursued him. I remember you know, that, he, the Moby Dick reference. Right. I remember, yep. We did. We had a whole talk about it, and, mm-hmm. and you know, he had, he had drafted him in the first round, then he went chose UCLA, and he respected right. that. Mm-hmm. He tried to trade him from the Pirates and went to the Astros because he didn't want to give up Chance Adams, which is, you know, pretty funny. Yeah, now, but, now uh, it is. Yeah, now it is. <laughs> and, then and it was Clint Frazier, too, though. It was both of them. Right. Right, Clint Frazier with yeah. the hold-up, which, you know, I, I thought he was going to be released last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I called you saying that I couldn't understand why the Mets weren't signing Patantis yep. and that the Mets had to sign Patantis. I You and I even suggested a one-year pillow contract for yep. $10.5 million. Mm-hmm. Somebody's listening and, to us. I, Andy, I'm somebody's convinced. Listening to us. Somebody's listening. So I'm two for two, okay? What's your third? So... Those two were kind of based off of logic. This one's, I just figured because somebody's listening to us and you're incredibly good luck, Coach, (laughs) I'm giving as a third proposal the Mets get Lindor because the Indians look for some bizarre reason, even though they have talent, they traded Trevor Bauer to the Reds, which I still don't understand since, you know, they got, um, I I said Cespedes, they got Puig in that deal. Mm. Um which made no sense because Bauer's talent is incredible. Um, but they traded him, so maybe they want to cut more. And there have been rumors about them wanting to move Lindor. And you do have the Steve Cohen money coming. So this is not based off of logic. Mm-hmm. This is just dreaming. And I love Jeff McNeil. But if the Indians are enamored by Jeff McNeil, who's had an absolutely unbelievable season and looks like he could hit in his sleep, and that is what you need to do to get a player like Lindor, at least as a starting point. This is not based off of logic like the other two proposals. This is just dreaming. But what do you think? 
Andy, you know what? I- I'll let you go because I want to hear the answer. And thanks for the call. Um, I-, I'm, I was ready for this. I was ready for someone to call up here and, and ask about Lindor. And Lindor on the Mets in particular. And I'm ready. I was ready. And here you go. Here's my logical reasoning. Because the Mets have been linked to Lindor. And the talks have started, I think, and ended with a trade involving Jeff McNeil. Because uh, I haven't checked up on it, but the Indians have asked that all teams interested in Lindor submit their offers by this past weekend. That You know, this weekend I was on both nights. So we'll see what happens. But, but hear me out, Mets fans. Listen carefully. I ran some numbers. These best conversations start with the McCartan math and running some numbers. Between Lindor, the shortstop, and Rosario, the shortstop. What I'm about to tell you is that their numbers, their statistics, are, are they're really close. For instance, Lindor is a career 288 hitter. Rosario, last season, hit 287. Lindor's career on base percentage, 347. Rosario, 323. Slugging percentage is almost identical. Lindor's career to Rosario's last season. RBIs, they're almost exact. Lindor's last season to Rosario's last season. Stolen bases. Lindor, 22 last season. Rosario, eight, uh, 19. So we went through one, two, three, four, five categories of hitting between Lindor and Rosario. And I'm not saying Rosario is Lindor. But I'm saying Rosario put up Lindor numbers last season. Taking out the fact that Lindor hit double the number of home runs as Rosario. Okay, sure. I'm not saying Rosario is equal to the superstar Francisco Lindor. But what I'm saying is this. Lindor is two years older. Set to earn $16.7 million this season. We just talked about the Robinson Cano contract, guys. And not to mention, Jacob deGrom is is the steal of the entire league for the Mets right now. Rosario is only, he's just entering his first year of arbitration. You know what he made last year? 583,000. The Mets, at this juncture, with their pocketbook, right now they don't need Lindor. You got Cano ahead of McNeil at second base. Because that's Brody's guy. You know that's how it's going to be. You got Rosario ahead of McNeil at shortstop. You got McNeil slotted in. Your infield looks like Cano at second, Rosario at short, McNeil at third base. For now, I'd say let Lindor be. But try for Arenado, maybe. I mean, he's owed a ton of money, too. Even more so, I think, than Lindor. I don't know. I just I wouldn't go there yet if I was a Mets fan. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go there. Actually, I'd probably go Mookie Betts over all three of them. But Arenado would be more of an upgrade at third base over McNeil than Lindor would be over Rosario. Based upon Rosario's numbers last season, and he's also gotten better defensively. He's working with the uh the quality control dudes and the analytics dudes. To, to pick up on his defense. 
and and it has been you you can, there's a line of demarcation of when Rosario started working with those guys and before he did. So I think that Arnado would be more of an upgrade over third base or over McNeil at third base than Lindor would be over Rosario at shortstop. I know that sounds crazy. I know it does. And I love Jeff McNeil. I was just saying, everything he brings to the team. But in terms of baseball decisions for the Mets' needs, need-based decisions, and if you're going to pay one of the two of them when that Cohen money comes in, for me it's Arenado over Lindor at, at that juncture. Because when I, I was kind of like, I don't know, I was like surprised, really, when I was looking at these numbers. I was like, there's no way Ahmed Rosario stacks up against Francisco Lindor. There's just no way. And as I went through, and I, I don't just arbitrarily pick numbers. I, I I think that these are batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, RBIs, and stolen bases are indicative of, of how you are as an offensive player. Don't go into that war or any of that. This is what I think. On base percentage, I think is is the most important, really. So I look through those stats and I'm like, all right, wh- where what is Lindor's number? What is Rosario's number? And I was so surprised how really close they were. Really, when I mean, almost exactly were the RBI production between Lindor and Rosario last year. Lindor seventy four, Rosario seventy two. I mean, everybody was watching the polar bear. Pete Alonso garner the, all the headlines. Jacob DeGrom garner all the headlines. What are they going to do with Syndergaard? Oh, my God. Edwin Diaz blew another save. And there's our man Rosario having a very quiet, my favorite saying is sneaky good. Sneaky good season. You know? And, and, and so if you go with, with Lindor, you're paying a player that is two years older than Ahmed Rosario. Rosario is only 24 years old, guys. And I know the biggest differential between the two of them is the number of home runs hit between the two of them. But when you got the home run leader in Pete Alonso in your in your lineup, is it that important to have such a swing for the fences kind of guy in your lineup? I mean, to me, I don't think so. Because if you're getting on base at pretty much the same clip, you're stealing pretty much the same amount of bases. I mean, that's the player that you are. So again, I know you guys are probably going crazy. Like, oh my God, she's saying Ame Rosario is better than Lindor? No. But what I'm saying is that their numbers are really close. And then and and home runs is a discrepancy, of course. But the other discrepancy in the Met that working in the Mets' favor is the salaries. Lindor's set to earn almost $17 million this season. And then you got Rosario, 25-year-old Rosario, who who's entering. He'll be, he's 24 now. Oh, he just turned 24, November 20th. So he's 24 years old, Rosario. Entering his first year of arbitration, making a very Mets-friendly $583,000 last season. You can't make that up. You know? And if you're the Mets, that is as good as it comes. So at this juncture, 
with Wilpon money, not Cohen money, I wouldn't make I wouldn't make the deal. That's the very long winded answer to Lindor to the Mets question. And I think just the value of Jeff McNeil is just he's he's he to me is untouchable. To me, Jeff McNeil is untradeable for the development process of him as well. I mean, the Mets are young. The Mets are hungry. They, they need somebody to teach them how to win. Maybe that guy's Robinson Cano. Maybe that's how he'll step up. Or maybe it's their new manager, Carlos Beltran, who's seen it played in New York on both ends. I don't know. Well, more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. Hang in there. I will get to you for sure. And I'd also like to talk some football, too. So we got Mets, Yankees, Jets, and Giants on the table. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 Good morning, everybody. At 405 here in New York. And, and Harris Allen's update just said that Encarnacion has signed with the White Sox. And goodbye, good riddance in his what was it? Zero sixty-three batting average in the postseason. I think I could have hit better than Encarnacion in the postseason, and that's another reason why the Yankees also didn't get to the promised land this season. Is the failure of their bats, the silencing of their bats, especially in that ALCS, that faithful ALCS, where I, I, this is going to be with me a long time. Where where uh, Lemayhu hits that home run to put the Yankees ahead in the ninth inning. And then here comes Jose Altuve with his own home run to end the game. That was a crushing blow to Yankees fans everywhere. But Encarnacion, goodbye, good riddance. And how about those Chicago White Sox making a lot of moves? Hmm? Well, here in New York, the Mets have made a move of their own. I mean, with the NL East, free agency, every every time I'm on, we do a major moves check-in. The Phillies, besides Girardi, have Gregorius and Wheeler now. The Braves signed Will Smith and Cole Hamels. Nationals re-upped Steven Strasburg. And then you have the Mets. Oh, platoon outfielder Jake Marisnik. Porcello, Italian Porcello, and Waka. Two head scratchers. And finally, Santa Van Wagenen comes through on Christmas Eve with Dylan Betances. Merry Christmas. Mets fans. It's a one-year deal. Very creative. I like it. I think it's a prove-it deal. Ben Wagonen says this is absolutely a tremendous, a tre- tremendously exciting gift for Mets fans this holiday season in our championship pursuit. Yep, he used those words. Peter, in New Mexico, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle, and Merry Christmas. You too. And a happy and healthy New Year. You too. And Thank you. I have I have to say, I've looked into my crystal ball, and I see a very bright future for you in the sports media world, and my crystal ball is never wrong. Oh, I like that. That's it. All right, can you give me <laughs> the lottery numbers for, for the next big drawing? Uh, if we split it. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll talk off air. I'll get those numbers from you. Okay. <laughs> What's up, Peter? I, I speak as a half-century Yankees fan, okay. and in the spirit of Christmas, I was going to wish all Met fans well in the Dellen signing. And then the Met fan calls up and 
he was giving us a little subtle trash talk with, well, was it that the Yankees didn't pick Dylan or yeah. Dylan didn't pick the Yankees? It's a fair point, okay. but it is a fair point. But, you know, he reverted to form. Typically, the Met fans are like the little brother who always has to prove something about the, uh, the against the achievements of the older brother, oh, and they're always Peter, you're going to get some hate. You're going to get some hateful I, phone calls, Peter. In, in three, two, I'll, I'll, one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Santa Claus got to the Bronx a little bit early this year, and he dropped off. A beautiful train set, computerized, two locomotives. The smoke comes out of the, the locomotive front, back and forth. Then he got to Queens on Christmas <laughs> oh, Eve no. day. Oh no! And he drops he drops off a nice little wooden train set that you push around. It's kind of nice, but. I'll leave it at that. Well, so, wait. Well, here's I a point. Here, at least Santa checked the lists, though, because the Yankees needed that, and that's what the Mets needed. He checked it twice. I, I, absolutely. So, Merry Christmas, Santa came for each of us. I'd rather have that fancy computer. <laughs> but I, I, I have to sharpen my skills for a little trash talking myself, because I think this year there's going to be a lot of it. Cause, I, Nothing I like more than seeing competitive Yankees yep. and competitive Mets. Yep. So it's gonna it's gonna be a great year, and I love what you're doing, and I see big uh, big things in your future. Peter, thanks for the call. I appreciate. it. Hope you'll tune in. I'm gonna be on on Saturday or Friday night into Saturday too. So I hope you'll tune in then too. I'll be listening. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. So I, it, it makes it. You know what? I, if if both teams are really good, I might have to introduce a new segment of like fan trash talking, like fan and the pun on the radio station fan trash talking between Mets and Yankees fans. Got to keep it clean, but you could only do trash talking if your team is good. So we're going to have to wait and see on that. But I kind of like that idea. I think, I think something was just born tonight. Set out to Long Island. Lenny, you're on the fan. And how are you today? All right. How are you, Lenny? <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep up with the theme of the show. I think a new segment could be called Gut Feelings. Ooh. You, uh, gut Feelings, where you make your predictions based upon just your gut feeling. Now, last week, you had a feeling mm-hmm. that the Jets were going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. Right? And they did. And, and they did. So, Gut Feelings is a great segment. However, that's... That, that gut feeling really was not fair to you because you did your research mm-hmm. and and uh, you had some good matchups there. So I would give yourself some credit, uh, not just a gut feel. Gut feelings are good. And on that note, um, I think it'll be a big deal when the Mets get uh, Steve Cohn's money. And uh, I, I love the lid door thing. I really think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I also think the Mets are going to be built around Lindor and Carlos Correa. And when I saw Ed, uh, Amari Rosario in Binghamton, it's as soon as he stepped on the field, I knew he was going to be a star. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how good. And then I go to the Arizona Fall League yep. every year, and I saw Andres Jimenez, mm-hmm. and I had the opposite feeling about Jimenez. Interesting. Uh, he batted, he led the league in in batting average, but he, he makes very light contact. He gets caught stealing around 45 to 50% of the time. So, Mets fans, 
don't think of Andres Jimenez as being the uh, the end all. Mm, interesting. That's, that's a great observation there, Lenny, and appreciate that. And one of the names you brought up, Lindor, obviously we had, we we talked about tonight, but Correa was another one, Lenny, you just brought up. And, you know, Rosario, I'd, I'd still like to let it ride with Rosario. I'll be honest with you. I really do. Um, you know, Carlos Correa, I'm looking at it. He's got a lower batting average in last year than Rosario. He's got on-base percentages of Pickham. Uh, slugging percentage is a little bit higher. RBIs are pretty good. Actually, way better at, at a clip than Rosario's. Stolen bases was only, was only one. And 2019, obviously, Carlos Correa was injured. You know the story about, uh, maybe you don't. He, I believe, uh, or what I've seen was that he broke his ribs because he was getting a massage in his house and it was a little too rough, the massage, and broke his ribs. You believe that? But I think... I'm still riding with Rosario, honestly, because of the fact also, the the elephant in the room, how good is Carlos Correa without the banging on the trash can, without the finger buzzing, without all of the the cheating of the Houston Astros that, in my mind, has already shown irrevocable proof of their cheating. So is he a good player or is he a product of the environment is a big question I have surrounding Carlos Correa. Not to mention the fact, looking at it, he's missed 178 games over a five-year career. He averages, let me do the math, he misses basically 36 games a season because of injury. You know how many Armando Rosario has lost over three seasons? Zero. The guy has missed zero games due to injury. Zero. But Correa would be, if you're not sold on Rosario, Correa is a better option because he's entering arbitration year three. But then again, he's an unrestricted free agent in 2022. Are you looking at a two-year rental? I mean, does... The question GM McCartan is going to ask you is, does Ahmed Rosario... I mean, does Carlos Correa put you over the top? Carlos Correa over Ahmed Rosario at shortstop. Does he put you over the top? If the answer is yes, then you make the move. And I'm talking in the next one to two window that I gave <laughs> talking in, in, in the opening of the show. Does he put you over the top in place of Armin Rosario? If the answer is yes, you make the move. If the answer is no, you stand pat with Rosario. I, I, I am very interested to see the development of Armin Rosario for the Mets moving forward. I told you, he got in to, to the analytics in his terms of his fielding. And I'm not talking like launch angle, stuff like that. My definition of, of analytics is, you know, things that help you, like video. Like, for example, I've used with my players on their phones. I take their phones and I video record them of serving a volleyball, let's just say. When you see it, it's just really different than what you th- what you think you're doing when you're in the moment as a player. So by being able to embrace that, Ahmed Rosario has been made a very different, very much better defender. And I don't I don't know if he's working on it with uh, with his offensive uh, technique, but I know he is with defense. And, and you know what? When I go out to City Field this, uh, this spring and summer, probably in the spring, I, I want the answer to this question sooner rather than later. I'm going to ask him, how has analytics 
in 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 diagnosing things, let's just say. That's how he's using it. Helped him. And I will get that answer for you because I am very curious about the answer myself. And when I get it, you get it. That's how this works. And you know what, guys? The baseball is all nice, but we have some Jets and Giants stuff going on because it is Thursday already, December 26th, which is very close to Sunday. Let's do some Jets and Giants after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. I am back with you. Danielle McCartan here. I guess we're we're McCartan in the morning territory right now. McCartan after midnight, whichever you prefer. Uh, I hope you guys had a very nice holiday season so far with all the the different holidays happening. So uh, I hope I I am grateful that you're tuning in to WFAN right now to my show here on WFAN. Um, We've talked baseball. For two hours and 23 minutes, it's time to switch to football. I'm making the switch to football, at least until 5 o'clock. You know, I just want to tell you one thing, though. As I'm sitting here scrolling through Twitter on the commercial break, I found something that you're probably going to hear about a lot today, not just on TMZ, but probably real news. And it has to do, it's relevant, I promise, it's with the New Jersey devil. P.K. Subban, okay, Lindsey Vaughn. They're dating, you know, Lindsey Vaughn, the the, the uh, Olympic skier. She had a post, and it says, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone. On our two-year anniversary, in a non-traditional move, I asked PK to marry me, and he said yes. Women aren't the only ones who should get engagement rings. Uh, Okay, so you're going to hear a lot about that today, I am sure. I am sure you will hear that, and you're going to think of me when when you do hear that. But another marriage happening or maybe a divorce, headed towards divorce, possibly, is Pat Shermer and the New York Giants. And I know Giants fans are quite split on whether or not he should stay or go. Although I think more people are leaning towards go. I'm not going to stand up here and, and you guys are not you guys are not going to call in and ask me, who do you think is going to be the next Giants coach? Who, who do you think it should be? Because you know why? Because there isn't, there is not a vacancy. There's not a vacancy in the New York Giants head coach position. If that vacancy does open up, we go there. But until then, yeah, let me give you. Let's see the top. Let's see three reasons Pat Shermer should stay. Um, the biggest one. We'll start with the biggest one. The development of Daniel Jones. Adam Gase, I hope you're listening because you should be taking notes on how to develop a quarterback. Of course, I want to hear your thoughts. 877-337-6666. Daniel Jones just became the only rookie in NFL history to throw for 350 yards and five touchdowns with no turnovers. He's four touchdown passes away from tying the NFL's all-time mark for a rookie quarterback. Held by Baker Mayfield, by the way. Mayfield did it in 14 games. DJ is going to attempt to do it in his 13th game. Don't think he's going to do it? Well, he's already thrown four touchdown passes three times this season. Also an NFL record. Jones has the most touchdowns for a rookie quarterback. Entering play with five more than Gardner Minshew and Kyler Murray this week. And that's all with a receiving core that struggles to create more than two yards of separation. I think Sterling Shepard might be the only one that can do that. Second reason why I think Pat Shermer should stay. 
with an average of, of 25 and a half years, the Giants have the ninth youngest roster in the entire league. That includes a roster with Zach Diasi at 35 years old and Eli Manning, who's 38, turning 39 in January. And then think about this. Pat Shermer has steered the ship. The drama with Janoris Jenkins, who I think was posturing to get to get out of New York anyway. Then you got Golden Tate suspended for the first four games. Then out another one after the Chicago game with a concussion. Then you got Saquon superstar, Saquon Barkley hurt. Not at full strength all season until evidently last week. You got the Eli Daniel Jones carousel going on with coaches' decisions and then injury. Julius Peppers is out for season after after the Bears game, and he was one of the most productive defenders on that on that team. And despite all that and more, Pat Shermer steer, steered the ship just fine. And in, in all of that, he has not lost the locker room. Besides Janoris Jenkins, but that, that's a whole other story. He he was posturing to get out of here since the McAdoo days, and then he just had to really push it a la Antonio Brown with that helmet, he had to push the issue with that ridiculous comment that he made on Twitter. And he, and he was unapologetic. That's how I liken that to Antonio Brown. Because if, if you really wanted to stay, you'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Unapologetic at his locker. Gone. Cut. See ya. Bye. Stuart in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? Uh, always a pleasure talking to you, Danielle. Yeah, Danielle, but Pat Shermer did steer the ship, yes, but the thing is, most some of the time when you watch him on the sideline, he looks lost. Oh, so and does Eli Manning at times, too. We can't go by it. it. looks lost. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it's like this. Uh, I'm, I'm on the fence. I was leaning toward go, toward go, but, you know, with the last two games, the way they perform, yep. you know, they have to, uh, they showed something. I mean, you say, you could say two and eleven. Okay, we're going to lose the last three games. Get two and fourteen. Get the Chase Young, yep. and uh, away we go. But no, they didn't do that. They didn't. They they didn't quit. But the season was lost. But they they didn't stop playing, which showed something. And then they put up, not to mention in week fifteen, and week sixteen, the two highest point totals of all the season. You know, Thirty six points versus Miami. I know right, we're talking so. Miami and Washington, 41 versus Washington. I know we're talking Miami and Washington. Yeah, but still they did it. Yep. They, they came through. Yep. And you're right, Daniel Jones, he developed, he's developed into a very good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's going to get, if he gets four more TDs, he ties Baker Mayfield or surpasses him. I mean, really, and Baker Mayfield's turning into a train wreck. Yep. I mean, not, not mentioned, not putting him down, but he's turning into a train wreck. But I think Odell has something to do with that also, mm-hmm. with his personality and the mm-hmm. way he carried on here. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad he's not here. But the thing is, Adam, you're right about Adam Gates. Why don't you take a good look at what, what Pat Shermer's done with Daniel Jones? That's the way you develop somebody. I mean, he's developing into a starting quarterback who's going to be around for about 10, maybe more years. I think, and I'd venture to say that Daniel Jones is being developed at a faster pace than Sam Darnold is. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, he is. And uh, Sam Darnold, I think... Sam Donald is a very is a, is has the potential to be a great quarterback, but he's not being developed properly. Correct. I mean, the Adam Gaze is the so-called quarterback whisperer. Where mm-hmm. I don't see it. Me neither. And uh, 
Um, can, I, can I get to the Yankees? Sure. Uh, I go. think by not signing Encarnacion, like you said, with the old point point oh six three, that's fine. You can go to the White Sox. The White Sox are making a lot of good moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Yankees, I would tweak it a little bit, but not too much. I like Just like you said, the bullpen did it without Dylan Bazantis last year, and good for the Mets. They got him. Hopefully he provides something for them. Right. Other, Hopefully he can be a stabilizing point between Familia and Diaz. Yep. Let's just say that much. Mm-hmm. And again, happy and a healthy New Year to you. Oh, thanks, Stuart. I appreciate the call, always. Uh, yeah, all good points, obviously. Um, and, and the Cleveland problem, I w- I'd like to backtrack to the Cleveland, because, you know, I was thinking about this as I was trying to take a nap before the show tonight. Like, oh, I wonder if someone's going to call in about the Cleveland Browns. And then, boom, there it was, in a way. I, I, yeah, I couldn't sleep because I was thinking, the Cleveland Browns, man, are they the biggest, uh, what's that word, uh, the biggest upset of this entire season? They had the highest hopes coming into this season, right? Landry, Mayfield, and, and Odell Beckham Jr., the 13 jerseys are flying off, the shelves, everything. And now it's just, it's a, it's a bad mix. You know what, though? I knew it was going to be a bad mix because you got three of three, those three guys, especially, that just want to win so bad. And they all want to be the, 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 the guy, you know? The guy that's talked about week in and week out. And then I was curious how Baker Mayfield was going to be able to disperse the ball among Landry, or between Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. That, I was curious of how he was going to do that. And now you're seeing that it really can't be done. But I'm not here to knock Odell Beckham Jr. because you know what? He was good to me. While he was here, he was good to me. And Odell Beckham Jr. is good to um, many different people. Some stories I know, um, I'm not going to throw out any names. But he is good to the people that take care of him uh, in the media, I'll say. And Odell Beckham Jr. was one of, let me think, the only player in the New York metro area to put on a, a women's football camp for women only. He brought his mother, everything along with that. I was there. There's no other player in our area that does that. So Odell Beckham Jr., Fierce competitor, maybe immature on the field, maybe immature off the field. But Odell Beckham Jr. has always been good to me, and I'm not here to to blame all of the problems of the Cleveland Browns on Odell Beckham Jr. Because there's a lot of other moving parts to that operation out there. Robin, Lake Success, you're on the fan. Good morning. Uh, Daniel, happy happy holidays to you. You too, thanks. uh, And the rest of the listeners. In the fan family. Actually, you know, me and you have something in common. Without mentioning the station, I've done plenty, plenty of shows at one of your previous stations on the air, but not going to mention that station Which on the air. One? I don't think that would be fair. Um, I've only and, done work at, at, at Ramapo College, otherwise. Oh, I, I've, I've seen another station that uh, your name has popped up on there. But all right, it's, it's irrelevant. Um, oh, send me and, a message because I'm curious. Uh, I'll have to call in and let you know that. But you're on, you're on located on another station. Okay. Right, anyway, um, here's News my thought. On, uh, here's, here's my thought on the coach of the Giants, Pat Shermer. And first of all, analytics. Analytics. I'm an older gentleman. I can't stand analytics. I come from an old school mentality. I think it, it, it's ruined the sports because humans play the sports, not statistics. That's right. the first thing. And, and because humans play sports, you've got to take that into consideration. Okay? But, but what you, about – right, let me ask you a question. Stop you right there. 
What about? And he's all sports, by the way. I know. Well, so let's take baseball. So you take Justin Verlander and they move his arm slot up six inches in whatever pitch it was. It's escaping me right now. The guy becomes an AL Cy Young uh, finalist. You know what? It, it's too, you can, six inches. It's very, very difficult to break these things down and, and figure out if that's really the reason why things are happening. I mean, I'm just going to go into what your previous call said about Sharma developing uh, Daniel Jones. And, and you know what? What about Eli Manning developing him? And he's a coordinator, this, yep. this guy. This, Eli Manning spends all the time with the guy. He's taught him. He's tutored him. Of course. First of all, this, the head coach doesn't have time to be spending all the time working working with uh, with the quarterback. He's got too much responsibility to be dealing with. He's kind of like the principal of a high school. He's handling all the different – he's in charge of the whole organization, right. not, not just the quarterback. So I'm not giving Sherman too much credit there. Yeah, but he's the offensive play court caller, too. I understand that, but make him a coordinator then. Okay, then offensive – there's your answer right there. Make yeah, him but, an offensive coordinator. Right, but, he's not put, a head but, coach. but he is putting him in positions to succeed, whereas right, Gase is not the doing man, the same man, for Adam – for, I don't for Sam get, Darnold. I don't want to get very – Rough on you, okay? But oh, no, I, I, I have my opinion. You're up against and, and the break, all, but I could take it. And we're, we're, of course, you can. We're all entitled to our personal opinions, sure. and that's what this is all about. After watching giant football since 1968, going to games in Yankee Stadium, seeing pretty much a lifetime of giant football, this guy's one of the worst coaches the Giants have ever had. He he makes in-game decisions which are horrific. Okay, his his overall record, and that's for you because you're a statistic person. Yeah. It's horrific. He, he has done nothing in, his, in all the years of coaching. He's a losing coach uh, along those lines. Um, I would bring in, first of all, I, I'm not a major fan of Gettleman. He's made some good moves. He brought in, he brought in, he, he brought in our quarterback, okay? He brought, in, he brought in Barkley, which turned out to be, which at that time I didn't love the pick. I would have taken Don Old or, or, or Rosen at the time. But all right, we, we got both of these guys. But and and Darius Slayton, he, gets, by the way. he picks up a jet, okay, who might not even come back. He gives away draft picks. And I don't want to go down the line, but he's not probably going to go. But Sherman, who I want, bottom line, I totally want McCarthy. Number one, he's a winner. I don't want Rivera because Rivera has three winning seasons. I understand he's a 15-1. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, what about the quarterback over in Green Bay that maybe helped uh, McCarthy? You know what? The man has had a – he's all one – and his for you because you're into the analytics, and I looked it up a while back, yep. well over 200 games he has. He's a much better winning percentage than McCarthy has. So I mean, not McCarthy, than Rivera has. So if you're going by analytics because that's what you do and that's what a lot of the modern people do, you bring in a winner, a guy who has had a winning – percentage uh, in, in coaching, and, 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 he, and he's a guy who's been with a championship team, a high-level team, Rivera. I don't care if he's friends with, or he might not even be friends with the general manager. Yeah, one, last point, one last point, one last point, which you brought I, I have, up. I have to with get Rosario, to I would have took Didi. There's my point. I would, there you go. Not, not this other guy, but, you know, because I brought it up to Nier, but Nier didn't feel that was the right move. All right, That's Rob, thanks for the call. I got to go, Rob. Thank you? you very much. Sorry about that. I had to cut you off. We are up against the break. I will, I will take down all of your points and, and get, get to it after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. 4.43 in the morning. We've got about, what, an hour and 15 minutes or so left of McCartan after midnight. Or McCartan in the morning. I'm Danielle McCartan, obviously with you guys, until 6 a.m. And if, you're, if you've seen Jersey Shore, you know the expression, uh, shirt before the shirt. And uh, I am the show before the show. Because the morning show this morning is set to be Jerry Rucco and the Kim Jones. So I am the, sh- the show before the show for you guys. And that's two Jersey Shore references tonight. Uh, I kind of like it. Uh, Rob from Lake Success just called in. 
I, I, I did not want to cut him off like that, but I, we had to get the commercial break in. And, and I was trying, sitting here just with my pen and paper to take notes on, on what he was saying. Um, the last thing I think he, he, he jammed in there was Didi over Rosario. Yeah, I would take Didi over Rosario any day. But not when you're in the Mets financial situation. You know, when you're not in the Mets financial situation, you could take Didi Gregorius. You don't have a lot of money to spend if you're the Mets at this juncture. Maybe with the Cohen money? Maybe. But at this point, it's got to be Rosario for them. And then I told you guys earlier that there is no vacancy as of 4.44 in the morning on Thursday, December 26, 2019. There is no vacancy for New York Giants head coach. So I'm not going to play that game. But I will tell you that when there was a vacancy for the New York Jets coach, Mike McCarthy was my choice. I mean, through and through. Yes for the Jets. And I'm not sure why they didn't commit on him. And Rob from Lake Success brought up winning percentages. How about you add to that the the development of Aaron Rodgers for Mike McCarthy? So so there's that. And again, I'll tell you again, we're not going to play fantasy New York Giants football coach because as of right now, as of this, this second, there is no vacancy. That might be a different story when I'm on the air with you guys on New Year's Day. That might be a different story. You never know. But until then, conversation squashed on on who's going to be the next Giants coach because there is no vacancy. Sorry. Gene in Tom's River, you're on the fan. Thanks for holding. Yes, Danielle, hello. Well, I just want to give my opinion on Shermer. Mm -hmm. Number one, I personally, I would never have hired him myself. But since he's here, and he is the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and well, Daniel Jones, yeah, the the, the play call. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And and Daniel Jones is progressing under him. Listen, I don't think he's going to be the coach two years from now, but I'm all for giving him one more shot, one more year, for two reasons. Number one, he's got to shake. Well, number one, the, the most important reason is I don't want to. Give Daniel Jones a new playbook. That's right. And that's what the Jets did to, to Sam Darnold, by the way. Correct. That's what they did. I, I don't want to do that to him. Yep. Because, to be honest, I don't think the Giants are going to be Super Bowl contenders next year. But I think the most important thing should be the priority for the Giants is to let Daniel Jones progress at least one more season, which yep. is a long time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then if Shermer, by some chance, doesn't – if they don't see major progression – from Shermer as a head coach, because right now he is a bad head coach. He's a horrible in-game decision maker. He's really not a good head coach. I don't bust his chops on his record, considering he took over two bad teams, the Cleveland Browns and the, the Giants, Great who point. sucked when he came in. Great point. So I don't really, I don't bust his chops on the record. No coach would have had a great record then, unless maybe possibly it was like Bill Parcells or something. But let's face it, Bill he ain't Belichick. coming back. He even left the Browns. <laughs> Correct. Well, let's face it. Bill Belichick did a great job with the Browns. Yeah. I mean, looking back at it, he's, he, excuse me, he's the last coach to take them uh, to the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so number one, I would give him one more shot. The defensive coordinator, I, I didn't mind him when they. He, he's got to go. 
and they got to make as many coaching upgrades as they can. The yeah. offensive line, the D coordinator, yeah. and next year, if they don't see major progression from him as a as a head coach, then get rid of him. But right. for Daniel Jones' sake and his progression, give him one more season. And uh, thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it, Gene. I appreciate that. And and you know what? I, I mean, I, for a while, for a week. Maybe it was reactionary, but that that call on Monday Night Football to just and this is two two parts, in game decisions, sure, but the second part of that was when how do I articulate this? I have a problem with NFL overtime rules. That's number one. I think both offenses in an offensive slanted league should get a chance to march the ball down the field. That's first. Okay, now let me articulate the Giants' point. Giants' point is this. If you have Eli Manning at the helm, you're, you need to go and try and win that game. You are. You have to go down that field and win that game. Do not take a knee and, and just send it into overtime and put it all on a coin toss, knowing you have a, a defense that cannot hold its own. That, I thought, was a, the most egregious bad move. And right after that, I was like, ah, oh, man, this, this, is, this is no good. This has got to stop. This is, what, three weeks ago? This is this is enough. Enough is enough. Because what happened in the Broncos game, I believe that same week or the week before, same situation. They threw the ball downfield, got a defensive pass interference call, set them up in field goal range to win the game in regulation. Now, against the Chargers, that was. Philip Rivers and the Chargers. I just wish that he was a little bit more aggressive in that way. You have Eli Manning at, at the helm that game. Do it. See what happens. Worst case scenario, what happens? You go to overtime, you throw an interception, and you get tackled. I mean, they had the, the full length of the field to run. Okay? So that, I, I I was like, oh, man, enough is enough with this. But then you look at the past two games. You look at the fact that the Giants with Eli one, one week and with Daniel Jones the next week put up the two most points in the entire season in those two games. Of course, we're talking the Dolphins and the Redskins. But the Jets couldn't beat the Dolphins. They were winless at that point in time. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, and we can, you know, we can talk about this when dust has settled, but in the grand scheme of things, I do think you got to give Pat Shermer one more year. Because Daniel Jones is having a record season. And Pat Shermer is putting his quarterback in. Play caller, whatever, whatever. He's putting Daniel Jones in a in a in a position to succeed, and Daniel Jones has been succeeding with an offensive, a shoddy offensive line, we'll say, or without a left, a good left tackle, we'll say, maybe even more specifically, without wide receivers that cannot create more than two yards of separation. I mean, really. And once you get Saquon Barkley running north and south rather than east and west, like you did in the last game, that creates problems. And, and not to mention the fact that the, the receivers for Daniel Jones, whether it be the tight ends or you know the people who catch the ball, there hasn't been a consistent slate of them this entire season. And that's another point. And we could talk about Evan Ingram and his future in the New York Giants blue as well, if you want to. Rob, in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Good morning. How are you? Can we talk? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? All right. Uh, little thing about his analytics and Rob. Just a couple of little things. Uh, 
it, there's good and bad points, and if we could just touch them, I mean, obviously, this looks probably in the morning we're doing like math class, but no. Oh, the quick thing is the uh, example you gave of Verlin, it's more, it's not analytics, it's more like body mechanics, ergonomics, well, which no, obviously because, is no, extremely no. valid. Well, let me, let me, st- let me no, stop right there. Say, they they no, found it through, through driveline and, and those, in those programs. It is an analytics-based yeah. program. That's how I get, can get behind analytics. That's well, how I that do part, it. Yeah. On that point, yeah, but what I was going to say, what, what Rob's point is, and he's not really making it clear, that because you put the human element of there, it's not ideal. Right. It's not like casino analytics where you analyze blackjack and you know like casino wins X amount of percentage because yeah, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. like that. But of course, it could still be that variable of human element, so it's not perfect. So you can have really bad numbers, but in the long run, it does work out. So it does make sense. But So by saying that, you know, he's wrong, but he's also right because you do put that human element in there. But in the long run, of course, it works out, but it's not perfect. That's the whole thing. Okay. So there is, there is that in there. So that's what people, some people have, you know, a feeling or a sentiment like against it like that, the resistance to it. But that's, but that's not, you know, that's just an opinion. But if you, again, long run, it does work. All right. But now, now your Pat Shermer variable, point. Go right in. Yeah, excuse me? And then your Pat Shermer point? Well, no, not really a Pat Shermer point, but that means okay. I, if I would like, I think he has to, I would think yeah, I'm a Giant fan also, and I, yeah. he does have to go. I mean, he's the worst coach ever. But, I mean, they do have to make some changes. They do have to try to stir some things up. It's about time. It's like, the you know, New York teams, about the Giants, time. They, they the just, they it's just painful. It. It, it, they just did it's it, like, though. Well, okay, but it's painful for the fans. We, we suffer a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like that. <laughs> Will the changes be good? Not necessarily, but got to try something. You know, maybe one, maybe we'll hit something one day, you know, mm-hmm. get lucky. I would, I, would, I would go to like McCarthy or somebody like that. That's me. I mean, sure, I but but giving a new playbook to your your second year quarterback, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, that's true. But do you really see like him really flourishing and the team really doing well next year? That's the thing. What's what's the thing? Do you want to take two more years or three more years? My opinion was he never should have started anyway. To me, I think quarterbacks should still be apprentices and, and watching on the sidelines for a while. That's me. I mean, the new thing is to put a quarterback in right away. All these rookies. I would, if, I would, if it was me, which it isn't, obviously, I would never play a rookie until he has some season on the bench and he actually watches and learns the game from the sidelines. Yeah, but I don't know about that because the NFL's mark for all-time rookie quarterbacks was set by Baker Mayfield, who was literally just thrust into that Jets game. And we have flashbacks it's, of that. Yeah. And, 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 it's a different world. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I know that I understand. I'm just, I'm just saying me from my opinion. Yeah. It's a different world now, so of course that happens. But, I, but I, will, he do, will he flourish next year? Eh, not really. Will he do better? Yeah, he probably will. But still, are we really gonna, what are we going to accomplish in the long run? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, like I said, I, I, I would make a move. But that's, again, if you make all these moves and then nothing ever happens. So we're always unhappy. <laughs> so we have something to talk about and call you. There you <laughs> Bob, go. And Bob, thanks for the call there. I, listen, I, I just, you can't. You, you can't make another move because the Giants are in turmoil. If he goes, if Shermer goes, he's going to be the second straight coach fired before year three. Since 2015, the Giants have gone through four coaches. Coughlin, McAdoo, Spagnuolo, who was interim, and, and Shermer. They would move on to number five in, what, six years? And then again, the Giants have only had six general managers in their history. Why only give Gettleman two seasons? This is more, I mean, the roster overhaul that is happening in the New York Giants takes time. Gettleman based on his, his draft record, as I outlined for you the last time I was on, I mean, case in point, Darius Slayton, 171st overall. Darius Slayton has the most touchdowns for a, a, a rookie wide receiver in the league. Daniel Jones has the most touchdowns for a rookie quarterback in the league. 
So in terms of draft, Gettleman is the man. Cap money and his spending with that, I'm not so sure. Shermer, you got to give him a Based on what has been transpiring over the past two weeks, and especially with Daniel Jones, you have to give him another year. That's it. More of your football calls after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. And good morning, everybody. At 5.05, we are, what, less than 60 minutes to the end of the show. It's time for you to get on the phone. 877-337-6666. I am the show before the show. Jerry Rucco and Kim Jones coming your way at 6, 6 to 10 a.m. later this morning. Now, we are locked in this conversation of Pat Shermer and, and his job security and, and Dave Gettleman and his job security. I'll be honest with you. I have said all along that both should keep their jobs. I still think Dave Gettleman should keep his based on his draft stock that he has compiled for the New York Giants. Uh, Let's start with the quarterback, Daniel Jones, rookie. Let's start with the running back, second year, Saquon Barkley. Those are two premier positions. Dexter Lawrence we haven't mentioned yet tonight. He's having a very sneaky good season. I love that expression. He's been doing really good. And then you got Darius Slayton, the, the, the star of the draft class besides Daniel Jones, fifth rounder. He he he's he's been lights out. He's the Giants' deep threat. I mean, what Dave Gettleman has done with the draft classes is is I my work during the day. I give him an A. Let me fall back on what I know. I give him an A on his draft classes. His free agent spending money, uh, the Leonard Williams deal. Uh, I'd give maybe like a B, B minus. And then we go to Pat Shermer, who is managing, steering the ship of the ninth youngest roster in the entire league, including Zach Diossi and Eli Manning in that number. The development of Daniel Jones should speak volumes. I mean, let's just start and end right there. Daniel Jones is having a a record-breaking season. Well, could be. Potential record-breaking season. He needs Baker Mayfield set the NFL all-time rookie mark for touchdowns in 14 games. Daniel Jones is four touchdown passes away, having done it in in, le- in one less game. So if Daniel Jones has four touchdown passes this week, he ties the all-time mark set by Baker Mayfield. If he has five, he passes it. He surpasses it. And Daniel Jones, by the way, has the most touchdowns for a rookie quarterback entering play this week. Five. Five more than Gardner Minshew and Kyler Murray. Five. So something is working there. Not to mention that the Giants just put up 30, a 36 spot in week 15, a 41 spot in a win in overtime in week 16. We'll see if they could play spoiler to the Philadelphia Eagles here in week 17. Because the Giants are playing for nothing but pride in their final home game of the season. Already eliminated from playoff contention, as we already know. And there's only two spots left in the entire NFL playoff picture. The final AFC wildcard spot, which can go to the Titans. Oh, Ryan Tannehill, huh? And the Titans. With the Raiders and Steelers still in a hunt. 
and the winner of the NFC East, a division that no one wants to seem to win. With a win against the Giants on Sunday, the Eagles can clinch it. With a loss, the Eagles are going to have to pray for a Cowboys loss this week as well. So the Giants are absolutely looking to play spoiler. And the Giants have been playing inspired football or week 15, 16, and hopefully now 17. Axel in Rosedale, you're on the fan. Hey, it's Christmas time in, in the, the city. city. That's right. All right, Danielle. Now, you know you're in the big time. Now you're in the drive time. You are in the drive time of New York City. People going to work, they're getting in their cars, they're listening to you, and they're saying, who the heck is this? Nah, I'm only kidding. <laughs> you're doing a great job there. Thanks, Axel. <clears throat> and, you know, you could have kept uh, Rob from Lake Fire, from Lake Success. You could have kept him over the break, too. Rob, I mean, Rob could take over the whole show if you want. <laughs> And he has his own show. He's, I don't know why he's bashful about it. He has his own show. He's, he, I don't know if he does sports or medicine. And also another caller, Ralph from Manhattan, has his own show. These guys, the callers from the fan get their own shows. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And I want to do something that's never been done before. Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song has to be updated. The name O.J. Simpson should be discarded and removed from that song. Mm-hmm. The, the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing now, we're talking about the Giants and Schumer and everything. My take has always been the same. If a guy cannot coach, and let's use the word manage the game, during the game, he should not be the head coach. Uh, that, that's my point of view because there's too many crucial points in the game. Now, it's not going to show up as bad when the team is bad because you're not going to go as crazy. But if you're in a Super Bowl, you probably wouldn't even get that far anywhere. But let's say you're in a big game and the guy can't make decisions you don't want that guy there. I, you know, I don't know how they pick their coaches. Recently, the Giants, after Coughlin, seem to be picking these guys that have hats and stuff. Yeah. And also, the thing with Beckham, to me, Beckham is a, is a total knucklehead. And he was gone after he turned the end zone into the Westminster dog show. That was the end of him. You know that. And um, then I'm going to just touch a couple of things, and I'll move on there. Yeah. You're doing a great job, Daniel. Thank I just want to let you know Thanks. you should get more airtime. And this is, you know what? You're on at night. The fan doesn't even let me on during the daytime. I don't know why they, they do it. It's a couple of got knuckleheads that stop me from getting on. But anyway, Josh Allen has a little gronk in him. And for you Mets fans out there, Stevie Cohen needs the DH. That's what they need in the National League if you're going to spend a little money. Remember, billionaires don't become billionaires by giving their money away. Mm-hmm. Cespedes would be a perfect candidate for that, huh? Exactly, because you want me to keep going? I'll keep going. I'll be your co-host. You're the opening act for the big show. That's what you are, you know. And you are the best caller of the night. You got it. If you want me to continue, I'll do the updates and everything for you. <laughs> Axel, I, th- I think Harris Allen would, uh, would not be happy with that. And Axel, thanks for the call. Always appreciative for, uh, of your kind words. Thank you very much. You got it. All right. So uh, there's a lot there, obviously. He wants to go Mets. Um, and DH, I, this is a conversation for another day, I think. Should the DH be in the NL? Uh, I'm going to go with yeah. I, I think the, the DH should be in the in the National League because how many times do we have to see the pitchers futilely swinging at pitches, giving up themselves for, for outs? Uh, I'm not a fan. It's not exciting baseball, and exciting baseball for me is, um, is, is putting the ball in play and being competitive. And Mike Williams just tweeted me. He said he's at Mike underscore W underscore three. I would love to call in and talk to you, but my newborn twins just fell asleep. No, don't do that. I can't risk it. Don't risk it. He said, you have this ability to make even the worst situations sound good, the Giants. It's nice to hear positivity on the air. You don't always get that. Happy New Year's. Well, uh, Mike, it's because I haven't started talking about the New York Jets yet, so maybe we can save that for this weekend. 
Marty in Westchester, you're on the fan. Yes, hi, Danielle. Merry Christmas. You too, Marty. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I actually agree with you regarding Pat Shermer. Uh, Daniel Jones, he's performed quite well this year. He, he looks like he might be the real deal. I mean, his fumbling issues can be correctable, okay? But uh, he's really uh, he's done a good job for the most part. Uh, he's had some really good games. And I think uh, continuity is important. Now, I know that Sherman does have three years left on the contract, so I would bring him back for one more year, okay? And I know there's been a lot of questions about his uh, game management, what have you. Maybe um, if, um, let's say, Gettleman uh, goes to uh, Sherman and says, listen, maybe you should... Uh, Give more responsibility to Mike Shula as far as the play, uh, calling. play calling is concerned. You know, the course of the game. Marty, that's, that's awesome that you just said that because I was on here at the beginning of the season hoping for that, hoping for Pat Shermer to give up play calling. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't like when head coaches are play callers. I don't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just too much to manage all at once. Exactly. And you could say the same for uh, Adam Gates, too, with yep. the Jets. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, oh. Please. The, the best the best drive of the game is the first drive for the New York Jets. Once he takes control, it's all over. It's all downhill from there. Right. And, of course, if it keeps Shermer, then you have to get him. Because if you bring in yes. a new general manager, yep. uh, then he doesn't have his own coach, and that causes problems. Yep. We've seen that in the past yep. with Rex Ryan and what have you. So, yep. And he, he's, I mean, Slayton is, is really a find, you know, and... Uh, and I like the uh, tight end that, that's been uh, playing the last few weeks, uh, Caden Smith. Smith. Yeah, yep. He's come out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, out of nowhere, and which I think makes Evan Ingram a little indispensable. Or dispensable. Right. Dispensable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Always a pleasure, Daniel. Have a great day. Thanks, Marnie. You too. Appreciate the call. Right. Um, yeah, and, and we could talk about that too. Caden Smith ha- has literally come out of nowhere. I mean, really. And I think that makes Evan Ingram a little bit, um, I guess the word I'm looking for is dispensable. Because he he's he's often injured. Yeah, he's mentally tough and everything. Sterling Shepard says all that. But Caden Smith, he has, versus Washington, he had his best game. Six catches on eight targets. If you do the math, that's a 75% catch rate. 35 yards and two big ones, two touchdowns. And then you say, oh, well, he just had a really good game. Well, I actually looked at that one one step farther. I'm one step ahead of you. Because overall, with Daniel Jones as his quarterback, he catches, he's 16 of 22. So he catches the ball at a 73% clip. 73% clip. 134 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's really good. So do you think Evan Ingram's going to be on the team next year? I, I'm going to go with no. If Caden Smith keeps playing the way he has, I'm going to go with no. And that's not a knock on Evan Ingram. I, I know he's a matchup nightmare. Obviously. But he hasn't been on the field long enough. He has not been on the field long enough. And by the way, Caden Smith is another Dave Gettleman draft pick. 2019, this year. Round six, even. One round later than Darius Slayton. Pick 176. Tight end from, he's born in Atlanta, Georgia. College is Stanford. Stanford University. I mean, I like Gettleman's ability to evaluate talent. Young talent. 
for that reason, he should be given the keys to continue this rebuild after saying goodbye to so many players. Maybe we can hit some uh, some Jets maybe after this. A little, little reboot here at 5.17 in the morning. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan, and here's your CBS Sports Minute with Carrington Harrison. With that overtime win, Daniel Jones and the Giants look to wrap up their 2019 season this Sunday with a win against Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium. Kickoff is at 425 with Giants game day underway at 210. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. I'm Daniel McCartan here, back with you guys at 524 in the morning. Man, I love New York this time of year. Oh my God, that's the third Jersey Shore reference. I did not mean to say that, but I've referenced Jersey Shore three times tonight. Oh my God. I am the show. Let's keep it going then. I am the show before the show. Jerry Recco and Kim Jones coming your way at 6 a.m. And I opened with, uh, obviously I'm very into music and things like that. You guys know that by now. But I opened uh, tonight with... The song I picked for the Jets was Marshmallow and Kane Brown, One Thing Right. And I, I, I was talking about gifts for each team, you know, Garrett Cole and the Yankees, obviously, and Batances for the Mets. And to be honest, for the Jets, they were the most difficult team of the top four to come up with in terms of their best gifts this season. And it can't be the terrible, no good, very bad coach in Adam Gase. We didn't even talk about what he, he said. He how he reacts to criticism and the line from from the New York Daily News. Oh, he doesn't care what you think, Jets fans. He does not care what you think. And I was hoping that we would not get a call from his friends or family or maybe even a tweet from his burner account tonight. And guess what? So far, so good. Maybe that would make for great radio. Well, anyway, maybe the best gift for the team is maybe Jamal Adams the only Pro Bowl representative from both of our wonderful teams here that play in the Meadowlands. Or, nah, maybe the best gift for the team is is Sam Darnold, the the 22-year-old who, in spite of Adam Gase's subpar vanilla in-game calls and non-existent in-game adjustments, just check out his third quarter, quarter numbers, everybody. And in spite of mononucleosis, Sam Darnold's been putting up some solid numbers. He looks to be the part of the franchise quarterback the Jets have been seeking. The white whale, if you will. Eh, maybe not. Maybe if it's not any of the three of them, maybe the one thing that the Jets did get right got to be defensive coordinator Greg Williams. His unit has been absolutely decimated with injuries this season, and it started with C.J. Mosley. The most visible the most important, probably the highest paid if you looked at it. And it was ever-evolving. You got to think about all the different guys coming in and playing different spots. Think the Leonard Williams trade even. Have you heard one single excuse from Greg Williams or any of the players on his unit? Nope. Unlike the head coach, the answer is no. Regardless, Williams' defensive unit is ranked second against the run and, well, 15th against the pass, which isn't terrible. You got I saw a quote from Arthur Mollette, and, and I just loved it as a coach myself. And I always preach this to the kids on my team. It lines up with my coaching philosophy. Mollette said about Greg Williams, 
practice how you play was the quote. That, that's what I say. Molette said, Greg does a great job at practice putting pressure on us to, to be great so that when I get in the game, I feel like it's easy. I already know my job, and I already know what I need to do. All I have to do is execute. There's no pressure. I do my job and have fun with the guys on the field. I mean, come on, that's awesome. So guess what, Jets fans, though? While Greg Williams is a great gift, he might be ripe for regifting. Jets fans, I think you should be a little worried because, in my opinion, I think Greg Williams is in a great position to win NFL's coordinator of the year, defensive coordinator of the year. The award has only existed since 2014, but four of the five winners went on to get head coach jobs the very next season. And Jets fans can only hope that if it all comes true again, that Williams will be at the helm of the New York Jets in 2020, despite what Christopher Johnson has said. In spite of Christopher Johnson. And for the Giants, I mean, I had to go with the song Sebastian and Grosso and, and Alesso of Swedish House Mafia, formerly featuring Ryan Tedder of One Republic, Calling. I mean, if you don't know that song, you got to download it. It is a pump-up song if I ever heard of them. But the gift for the Giants, and, and I picked that song because that was a song that was playing on the video of Eli and, and Daniel Jones playing Flip Club at Green Rock in, Ho- in Hoboken. So heads up to Green Rock. Shout out to Green Rock. That was the song. And then the best part of that whole video was, was Eli Manning taking a page out of DJ's Belmar book, picking up the napkins and throwing them when the beat dropped. I mean, that was awesome. But the gift is the fact that you have two egoless quarterback working towards a common goal on the field, genuinely enjoying their company off of it. And Manning and Jones seem to me, I'm not in that locker room, but they seem that they are, they're not just work friends. And it seems, and that in this situation, is awesome to see. Manning, the longest-tenured Giants quarterback, is welcoming his replacement that same day that that Daniel Jones became the only rookie in NFL history to throw for 350 yards at five touchdowns with no turnovers. And now he's chasing the NFL's all-time mark for touchdowns for a rookie quarterback. I mean, he already has the most touchdowns for a rookie quarterback this this season. Five more than Minshew and Murray, by the way. And this first-round move-up is the gift that keeps on giving. Ira and Glenn Cove, you're on the fan. Good morning. Uh, I felt compelled to respond. This is my first time after having been a listener since the Pete Franklin days. By the way, I enjoy your show very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I am emphatically, unequivocally in favor of terminating Pat Shermer as the head coach of the Giants, and I'll give you the following reasons. Good. I own a mortgage bank with close to 400 employees. As the owner of the bank and the person that sets the tone for my bank, I have to exhibit leadership, a good decision-making. I make mistakes all the time. Pat Shermer, for the first 12 games of the season, had Daniel Jones, a promising young quarterback, six foot five and a half, speed like Kaepernick, Accuracy superior to Eli, whether he has the ability to win a big game like Eli did against the Packers and the 49ers, et cetera, remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. However, you don't put this young fellow in between the tackle positions almost every down and not roll him out like Kirk Cousins, a solid NFL quarterback 
who, if you watch the game with Shermer's assistant last year calling the plays for the Vikings, and Kirk Cousins rolled out about a dozen times on a soft back rollout to buy himself an extra second, mm-hmm. second and a half, with Jones having inadequate time typically and having the pocket cave in on him. If you can't get that after 12 games, there's, cert- there's something patently wrong with you. In addition, when you have Saquon Barkley, who is perhaps the most gifted running back in the NFL all around, and you're running him between the tackles, and your play call format does not throw the other team off balance, when you do not help your offensive line by calling predictable plays as if you have the Green Bay Packer offensive line from 1961, (laughs) then you're inadequate as a head coach. And I do not believe, forget about the fact that he's surly and irreverent during the post games. Right. He's entitled to be that. That doesn't. I mean, look at Bill Belichick. A, a man. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, no. Well, Bill, in fact, Belichick and Parcells are examples of men who have accomplished a great deal. Correct. No, I'm talking and about. And have the right and have the right to be jerks on occasion. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, and, uh, no, no, no. All right. Okay, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. But we can give them a free pass. Uh, but I don't care about Sherman's post-game style. What I care about is his ability to be a leader. If I'm a leader, I tell Jerome Betcher earlier in the season, put in love, put in Valentine by game eight or nine when the handwriting's on the wall and you know you're going nowhere. When I I tell him to put in yeah. all of the young guys, obviously Peppers got hurt. That was a blow because mm-hmm. he was showing a great deal of promise. Yep. But uh, the 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 blitz schemes, the the you know there are so few ten yards downfield for DeAndre Baker, who will turn out to be a Pro Bowl honorable mention in my estimation in the future. Yeah, good player. Uh, and He's a good player. He, he will be an excellent player. Yep. They, they, they stemmed his progress by putting him in an untenable position in the way he was 10 yards downfield for the first 8 to 10 games. Yep. So I think if, if you're Pat Shermer, it's your responsibility as the CEO of a corporation to tell Betcha, hey, James, what's going on, man? How come you're not modifying your approach? To our defense earlier in this in the season, so yeah. I believe Pat Sherma should be terminated. You're going to give him one more year. He's going to exhibit adequacy, but not something special that will allow you to get to the promised land. Yeah, we'll see, Ira. And thanks for the call. A very very uh, intelligent call there, Ira. Um, the only question I have because I'm up again against the break, but the only question I have is Shermer as CEO. Is he? I mean, I'm not in that locker room. Is he really the CEO? Is, is he the guy making the personnel decisions? I mean, I know he should be as a head coach, but I'm just wondering. I'm not trying to stick up for him. I'm just wondering. That would be a, a question for uh, for somebody in that locker room. Is Shermer the one that is making the personnel decisions on both sides of the ball? That's a question I would like answered. Um, and, and you said too, and I, and I you led with it, and, and I should have too, and I forgot. Everybody makes mistakes, and, and I made a, a tiny little mistake. I caught it as soon as I hit the, the update at 17, and I was like, ah, oh, man. Caden Smith, he's still from Stanford. He's still drafted in 2019, but not under Dave Gettleman. He actually, I have to give the credit to John Lynch for finding him for the 49ers. And 
what happened was Dave Getterman claimed to walk off waivers in week 12. So that was my little baby mistake. I, I apologize for spreading any sort of fake news there. But um, getting back to Shermer, you know, maybe the solution, I, I wrote down as you were talking, Ira, maybe the solution would be, the, the compromise would be to give him another year, right? But to tell him that he cannot be a play caller. He cannot be the offensive play caller. Regardless, though, I, th- I think James Betcher has to go. I mean, this defense is is has more talent, I think, than than you think it does. And I'm not seeing anything from James Betcher's defense at all, really. You can get Baker hit play here or there. Peppers was doing well, but maybe that's the change you make. Here's the compromise: you give Shermer a third year. You tell him, listen, buddy, you can't call the plays. And you fire James Betcher. Because obviously the offense is producing. I mean, under Daniel Jones, I mean, it's producing. And and with the revolving door of, of pass catchers, too, it's producing. But you, like I say this all the time, you could put up 100 points a game. But if your opponent puts up 103, you lose. 101, you lose. And that's just where the Giants are right now. They're going to play spoiler to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think I have my based on my preliminary research. I think the Giants are going to win that game. We could talk more baseball maybe after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan, and I am Danielle McCartan back with you guys for oh the next 15 minutes. I am the show before the show, as I've said. Jerry Recco, Kim Jones coming your way next, and we're going to talk some baseball just to wrap it up. Put a nice bow on tonight on this. Now it's the 26th, but when I started, it was basically Christmas still, basically. So um, put it to put a nice bow on the baseball thing. I, I opened with uh, the song Rihanna uh, Needed Me for the New York Mets. And why? Because the Mets needed bullpen help. And whether or not they're going to get it in Della Batances is, is something to be seen. But at least they're trying. I mean, Della Batances has got some major upsides. I mean, the number one pro, you guys know me by now, I do pros and cons. For every move any of our teams make, the number one pro I have for Dylan Patances is his resume. The most outstanding fact on that resume to me, he's thrown 100 strikeouts in five consecutive seasons. And the con, obviously, is the injuries. We're going to have to see how he's going to come back from this injury. Not only is it his shoulder, it's also a partial Achilles tendon tear. That is the number one thing that the Mets need is bullpen help. And Brody Van Wagenen made it happen. He, on Christmas Eve, Santa Van Wagenen delivered fans a merry Christmas present. Dellen Batantis, one of the top-tier relievers on the market this season, is trading the navy and white of the Bronx for the blue and orange of Queens. Dellen Batantis is a New York Met. And for the Yankees, I led in with the Migos Is You Ready song, from the from postseason, MLB postseason commercials and stuff, the Yankees apparently weren't ready then, but they are whole squad ready now. With Garrett Cole, they are the odds-on favorite to not only get to the World Series, but win the World Series. Cole puts them absolutely over the top. And this holiday season, just 15 short days, uh, 16 now, 16 short days ago, the Yankees got their man this holiday season. Brian Cashman gift-wrapped him and everything. Now, the Yankees are going in with Cole, Tanaka, Paxton, Severino. Hap is questionable, and Montgomery's still two. 
man, the Yankees did get the biggest fish on the free agent market. They pulled out all the stops. You heard about the wine. You heard about the stadium contraption, the promises, special guests going to that meeting. And Yankee fans have never been happier to get coal for Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Jay in Manahawkin, you are on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you, Jay? Good. Happy holidays. Thanks. You too. I, I heard your show last week. You did a wonderful job. I hope you're on more often. Thank you. Me too. Uh, <laughs> listen, the uh, the gentleman that was on, Ira, I've never heard him before. Uh, boy, oh boy. If that man was so intelligent, I'd love to see him in that giant organization. Imagine. <laughs> uh, it, could you imagine? I mean, he came out with everything that's needed. Yeah, I know. Uh, li- I listen, love that. I, <laughs> us giant fans, I'll be 73 next week. Happy I'm birthday. I'm a giant I just moved down here to Manahawk, and I live three miles north of Giant Stadium. Where? I, what town? Uh, Wood. Woodridge. Yeah, Woodridge. Yep, got it. Okay, sure. I know it. So anyway, uh, being a Giant fan, I'm stuck between uh, what they say, a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are we going to – I don't want to see Dallas get in. I'm I'm going to have to root for the Eagles. Oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, We got to knock Dallas out. Uh, They're not America's team. They don't wear red, white, and blue. Uh, whatever other reasons we don't want to say they're not America's team, they aren't. Uh, and I just want to wish you a happy new year, and I hope to be able to hear you more often on the show. Thanks, Jane, and happy early birthday, by the way. Right, thank you, dear. Have a great Oh, sorry, cut him off. Have a great day. Thanks, Jay. You too. Um, I'll be on, by the way, again on Saturday. I'm going to tell you that in a little bit, but Saturday, 2 to 6, I'll be on. Um, and, and, I mean... If you're a Giants fan, who are you rooting? It's going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys. I mean, I think because of the Week 17 matchup and because the Giants have a direct hand in what happens to the Philadelphia Eagles, I kind of think that you're rooting for a Giants win, knock the Eagles out, and you want the Cowboys to go through, I think. I think that's what you want. Or do do you want to lose to the Eagles? Maybe maybe improve your draft stock, and watch them go to the to the uh, to to the playoffs as as the division winning NFC East division winning. I mean, it's a division that no one seems to want to win. Is the NFC East? I mean, there are only two playoff spots left, and that is one of them. And you just got to think. I mean, what if the Giants didn't collapse versus the Cardinals in that game? Defensively, I'm saying. What if Aldrich Rosas kicked and made those two field goals? And one of them wasn't his fault. One of them was a snap in the hold. But, you know, what if he made them both? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs going into this. And and it, it all boils down to the fact that what if, who is going to be the coach of the New York Giants next year? In my opinion, I think it's got to be Pat Shermer. And I think Dave Gettleman does, did, has done, so far, a great job in his draft classes for the New York Giants. And I think he's going to continue that. And we could talk next time I'm on Saturday about Giants draft ideas. I mean, if the season ended right today, right now, the Giants would hold the number four pick. They might have to get a little creative because they are, in my opinion, no longer in, in, in Chase Young territory. And we're going to have to see 
what they do. I don't think he's trade up material. Um, you don't want to ever give up that. And the Giants don't really have that much to give up because of the Leonard Williams trade. But, um, you know, we can talk more about that on Saturday. I think, you know, people here are very much more optimistic for baseball season than anything. By the way, what is it, 48 days till pitchers and catchers, everybody. Um, and we're just going to have to ride out the last week of, of the NFL season. Us here in the New York metropolitan area. And like we have been doing trained to do over the past couple seasons. We'll have to sit back on our couches at home with some popcorn and watch what goes on in, in the NFL playoffs because our teams, both of them, are not part of it. I mean, you got the Patriots and the surging Buffalo Bills. I mean, the, the Buffalo Bills are going to be a problem for the Jets um, long after Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are gone. And maybe because I live in the area, I, I just thought that once – You've endured so many years of Belichick and Brady winning the AFC East 16 out of the past 17 seasons, I think it is. I mean, you thought the Jets were going to be the ones to take over. Maybe that's selfish being from this area. But the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen and what they've done and that defense. I mean, this might be a very competitive division for years and years to come. Or it might not be. But I do think the Jets have their their quarterback and Sam Darnold. I think they do not have their coach and Adam Gase. You guys know that, that listen week in and week out. Adam Gase doesn't care about you guys. His, uh, his response to the criticism is the line, and I'm not going to say it because, Sus, I don't want to have you have to dump me off the air here, but the criticism from Adam Gase in the New York Daily News is I'm rich as... Mm, that a report from the New York Daily News. And furthermore, from the same article, it says that Gase has also said behind closed doors that his give a blank meter is low when it comes to critics since he's got enough money in the bank now, thanks to Christopher Johnson. So go ahead, Gase supporters. Get behind your coach who doesn't care at all about you. Holds a lifetime head coach record of 29 and 35. And has lost 26 games by double digits. You keep defending him. And we are ready to hit the break and close out the show. McCartan in the morning, McCartan after midnight, whatever you want to call it. I am Danielle McCartan on the fan. With Altis One, enjoy Wi Fi that blankets your home. Hey, Altis One, start the Boomer and Geo Show. Sports Radio 1019 FM. And for the last time on this wonderful morning, the day after Christmas, December 26, 2019, I am Daniel McCartan, and this has been a fun, great four hours. I will be, I will be back on, let me see, it'll be uh, Friday night into Saturday morning from 2 to 6, um, and we'll obviously have a great Eagles-Giants preview, we'll have some great Jets, Buffalo Bills, the JV Buffalo Bills preview, um, the Jets are... are one-and-a-half-point underdogs as of, you know, last night when I checked, to the JV Bills. And last I checked, the Giants are three or four-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Eagles at MetLife. Um, it is no longer a 1 p.m. game. They flexed it to, what, the 425 p.m. slot? And I like that because now the Jets and Giants are not playing 
at one o'clock. You guys know I complain about that every week. I play both at one o'clock. Now you can go successfully from one to the other and catch all of both. So I like that. And the Giants this weekend and the Jets, they're, they're playing for nothing but pride this weekend. And I think preliminarily, I didn't, I didn't scale this out as I always do, but preliminarily, I do think the Giants are going to pull this one off. And I do think that when you get to the Jets-Bills game, I think the Bills are, are going are gonna to pull it off. I'll give you the scores and stuff on Saturday next time I'm here. We also talked a lot of Mets and Yankees for the first, I don't know, two and a half hours, which was great. Suggestions for the Yankees. Dump Jay Happ, add a lefty bat. Does Josh Hader even fit in the Bronx? My short answer is no for that because you just don't know. I mean, they're going to want Andujar or Shella in a, in, a, in a deal, and you just don't know what either of them really are. Urshela coming off a career year and Duhar coming off an injury. So I don't think you you, uh, you pull the trigger on Hater just yet. That might be like a trade deadline thing. And, of course, the Mets, Dellen Batances, what he brings and potentially could bring to this team. We talked about the value of Jeff McNeil and Rosario versus Lindor. That's not so far off in those numbers when you really look at it. And I presented him earlier today. That is not so far off. So I just want to thank all of the callers, guys. Could not have done it without you. It's been a fun, fun, fun four hours. Love coming here. Great job to Sus behind the glass and to Harris Allen on the updates. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Even happy Kwanzaa. And you've got Jerry Recco and Kim Jones up next. See you guys early morning, Saturday, December 28th, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And in the meantime, you guys can hit my social media channels. If you're on Twitter, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Let's keep the conversation going. Until then, bye, everybody.